<sighs> Are you ready? For- I have zero notes. <laughs> Wait, what notes do we need? I don't know. It was so strange not watching an episode for this week. Yeah, I was like, oh, I have to plan out when I'm going to watch the episode. And then we're like, wait, we don't have an episode. We don't we already have watched an episode. It. I mean, in a way, <laughs> in a way, we have 48 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we have a whole season. Oh, God. Where are we even going to start? Uh, let's find out. Let's find out. It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And this week, we are talking about all of Season 2. It is the Season 2 finale spectacular, vernacular. Uh, vernacular. We, vernacular? Uh, vehic- sure, why not? Uh, Join us. Ring-a-ding-ding. We are going up this hill. <laughs> uh, we are finally... Uh, done with season two of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters. Uh, we are going to be talking about season two as a whole, go over some of our best and worst. Uh, oh, and... I just thought of a great tagline. Okay. Duel Monsters, Duel Seasons. Holy shit, Jimmy, you should have led with that. Why yeah. did you let me get through all that bullshit? Because <laughs> just... I literally okay. just came up with it. <laughs> Start over. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> that's really good. So here we are. Uh <laughs> Do it again. What was it? Dual, dual, dual monsters, monsters, dual seasons. Dual monsters, dual seasons. End of season two. Uh, 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 extravaganza. Um, before we get into it, jamboree. Jam. That's yes. No, wait. I'm gonna go with a different J word because the what? queen's birthday just happened. Oh, jubilee. Jubilee. It is. This is our season two jubilee. We will parade season two around for one week. <laughs> All 48 episodes, and it shops takes them are, a hell of a long time. All the shops are going to be 50% off. There's going to be special dishes in all the restaurants. I don't know. I just like saying jamboree, because when Jamboree's I was a kid really in Boy good. Scouts, I always wanted to go to the National Boy Scout Jamboree. Never got to go. I just like saying jamboree. It is a good word. It does kind of make me think of jambalaya. Mm. I think just because it has similar mouthfeel, but <laughs> that jambalaya <laughs> mouthfeel, <laughs> jambalaya mouthfeel, you know me. That's um, my new band name. <laughs> jambalaya mouthfeel. Thank you, Toronto. We have been jambalaya <laughs> mouthfeel. Coming up next, uh, garbage pit cabbage patch. I don't know. I'm bad at coming up with band <laughs> names on the spot. I'm really good at drag names. I'm very bad at band names. Well, let's continue. Let's let's keep moving. Um, before we get into talking about season two, Jimmy, I wanted to check in and see how you were doing uh, with your quarantine. And I am really curious. Uh, uh, how do I phrase this question? 
not like it's a bad question. I just, I should have written it down. Um, what media are you taking in? What like games are you playing? Shows are you watching to sort of stay uh, uh, level-headed, I guess, stay, stay above water in these, uh, what I'm being told are extraordinary times in every email I receive. From brands telling us how much they respect us and you should buy our stuff. Now more than ever. Now more than ever, you should buy a Honda Accord with special pricing. If we could all be a We know you don't have any money, but buy a car, you dipshit. Consume. Now is the time. Uh, Here's some products you can consume. I'm I'm really curious because I have been doing a lot of like... uh, uh, I've been trying to balance my like serious media consumption by like making sure that I'm, I'm staying active and I'm sharing things that like need to be shared because they're important in the world. I'm trying mm-hmm. to balance that with just like dumb shit <laughs> so that I can sort of say same. It's a critical balance. It is. It is. So I'm really curious, like what have you been doing to, to keep that balance? Well, I have been, I think the best we can all hope to be, which is hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm doing, Mostly okay from day to day. Yeah. Um, there's only so much anxiety you can take before it becomes the new normal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a shitty place to be, but yeah, that's kind of just where we're. The at, last few weeks, oof, they've been they've been bad. They've been bad. Uh, for those of you who are listening to us in the future, we are recording this on Friday, June nineteenth, twenty twenty. A very bad day to be alive. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> A, A number one, like, happy Juneteenth. Happy uh, Juneteenth. B number two, Black Lives Matter. In yeah. case you didn't know, in case you've been living under a rock for the last forever, Black Lives Matter. Uh, we're, I think, at 96 days since uh, Breonna Taylor was killed, and still no arrests have been made. So maybe we should arrest the people that murdered her. That's what's going to go on the title cards of, like, the documentaries made about this time <sighs> yeah. presuming that society exists in the future i, I if mean li- it... if you listen if you are listening to this podcast uh through some archaic medium that you found <laughs> while scavenging in the ruins of our once great empire if welcome. you've rediscovered podcasts and somehow this is the podcast you've discovered <laughs> <laughs> imagine future historians reconstructing society based on our Yu-Gi-Oh podcast can you uh, yes, even these, imagine? <laughs> these these uh, two men seem to be obsessed with an alternate universe in which card games were extremely relevant. These two dipshits, we can pierce <laughs> together, pierce together society from their lives to form what we think is an approximate summation of 21st century Earth. If there's any legacy that I really, truly want to leave in the world, like if I could leave my ideal legacy, it's that researchers a thousand years from now will hear or read something that I have produced, and that will cause them to reintroduce the word dipshit to their dictionaries. (laughs) What if future societies find this podcast, and based on it, they assume that our society is just as obsessed with Yu-Gi-Oh as the people in Yu-Gi-Oh are with Ooh, dual monsters. Yes. Yu-Gi-Oh. That would be the incorrect assumption. Well, 
but but we're getting off topic. Uh, hey, everybody, Black Lives Matter, go donate to a bunch of places that we've retweeted. I'm gonna put stuff in the show notes today. Uh, that is like the important stuff that we're talking about. Jimmy, tell me about the stupid stuff that you've been doing. <laughs> Uh, I wish I could tell you about more stupid things that I've been reading and watching and like listening to, but all of my media consumption for the most part has been started to just been engulfed by playing Final Fantasy fourteen with my I, friends. And this is kind of why I'm asking. I'm, I'm trying to lead you on a little bit because I saw a very important Instagram story <laughs> that you posted. <laughs> Can you explain to me what happened there? Uh, well... All of my friends that I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV with um, are all mostly part of the same friend group. We've been playing Magic the Gathering for years and years mm-hmm. on Monday nights uh, at Guardian Games in Portland. Um, and we have been playing, this is like the same people who like I've been playing D&D with for years. Right. And that sort of thing. Well, we can't really see each other now and do any of those things. So we are actually interacting more now than we have previously because we're all on final fantasy 14 the mmo nice like every night that's i mean that's kind of a if you're gonna find something to replace that kind of interaction with that's one of the better ways to go well the key part of this being our new form of social interaction is that we're all on uh discord the whole time so we're voice chatting with each other instead of just like having to type that's good yeah yeah so that's, that's my least favorite people, part of wow. it sounds like it yeah yeah well that's good and so so final fantasy 14 you've explained on the show a few times i remember last time we talked you were talking about the oh i'm gonna get the name of this class wrong like, astrologian yes thank you did you I still haven't unlocked astrologian ah, okay i wanted to talk about astrologian on this podcast but one day. I'm, still, I'm still not there in the main story quest to be able to unlock it. But you did get a very good mount. <laughs> I did get a very good mount for my birthday, which was on Monday. Happy birthday. Um, thank you. My f- friends uh, bought me the mount called the Fatter Cat, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it is enormous cat the size of, I would say, a beanbag chair. With the proportions of a beanbag chair. <laughs> Imagine just a cat that is a sphere, basically, mm-hmm. uh, that you ride around on, and that is the fatter cat. Is it is it the same speed as other mounts, or is it yeah. like... <laughs> All the mounts go basically the same speed. And apparently, once I get to further along in the main storyline, you can actually fly and swim on the fatter cat. Oh my god, please send me a video of you flying on the fatter cat. I want nothing Once I get more there, than this. You're apparently a big, just... chonky boy riding a fatter cat. <laughs> my massive ripped healer, my white mage, who's just j- the tallest and like thickest that I could make Swole. him. He is just absolutely shredded, uh, flying around on a big fat cat. Now, the thing that I love about it being named Fatter Cat is it does imply the existence of Fat Cat and Fattest Cat. There is a Fat Cat. Really? Uh, The Fat Cat is basically the same as the Fatter Cat, except minion form, and the minions are just like little pets you can get that follow you around. Oh, okay. Um, But then they came out with the Fatter Cat, which you can ride around in. I love this. So far... As far as I know, there is no fattest cat. Let me verify that here. <laughs> Quick Google. 
And I am, you know, this is really imagine what we're, that what we're the here fattest for. cat would be like a boss in a dungeon somewhere. <laughs> right. Right. It would have to be, right? Like there's no There's nothing for... above mount that you can like get. Uh-huh. So I can only imagine that the fattest cat would be some horrifying enemy who would like just roll over and squish your entire party. Yeah, that's like an end game boss. <laughs> the end game boss. That oh, that's man. what good King Mogglemog is going to be riding around on. There we go. That's yes. That's it's the end boss's mount. <laughs> well good i'm glad that you've had final fantasy 14 and uh yeah. and the, the fatter cat i'm kind of upset though because i've been meaning to do more reading and like playing other video games i've been trying sure. to get through um what's it called legend of zelda um the the remake of the game boy one uh Link's oh, awakening, awakening. uh huh um i'm most of the way through it but i just haven't had the time to sit down and play it and I also just bought uh, XCOM 2 on Switch oh, because nice. I've been wanting to play XCOM 2 for so long and it just came out. I uh, bought XCOM 2. It was on sale. I bought it on my PC and my potato computer cannot run it. So I'm oh, thinking sad. about the, the new expansion for Pokemon just came out. So I think that's going to be the next game I buy. But XCOM 2 is going to be after that. I'm looking forward to wasting a lot of time on that game. Yeah, I really enjoyed the original XCOM mm-hmm. uh, and just being able to customize all your little soldier guys and send them out to wreak havoc on aliens. Watching XCOM 2 streams is really fun for me because you get to oh, watch like other people make the decisions and you kind of it's it's like uh, it's like football in a way like you get to sort of yell at other people's poor choices. Uh huh. Um, and that something about that is like really relaxing and you, it can kind of just go on for a while like you can easily find four-hour recordings out there of people playing XCOM Oh, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, most of the fun of the original was, uh, like, you getting to name all your your teammates mm -hmm. and, like, customize them to look like cool, cool people. And then, like, you would actually, like, for me, I got attached to them. And so running them through the main story was uh, keeping them safe while I assaulted the alien menace. Yeah. Well, I have some uh, some recommendations for you and for the listeners actually in the opposite direction of XCOM 2 uh, yeah. because I have been playing a lot of video games. Uh, I was one of the people that bought the uh, bundle on Itch.io that a lot of people have probably oh, seen. Oh, yeah. Around. Uh, I got I don't that know too. I'm very excited. Oh, good. Okay, so you got it. So there are a few games in that bundle and for listeners now, the bundle has ended, but uh, Itch did a really amazing thing where they... Uh, had a bundle of, I think it ended up being like north of a thousand games that were video games, indie games, a lot of like tabletop RPGs, like physical games. Uh, And you could buy for a minimum donation of $5. And the donations went to, uh, I'm going to get this wrong now that I'm saying it, but it was the uh, NAACP Legal Defense Fund, right? The bundle was uh, f- the bundle for. I have it right here. What? Am, why am I going to risk getting the name wrong? Bundle for racial justice and equality, um, and yeah, I believe it was NAACP. And I'm yeah, one thousand seven hundred forty-one items for five dollars. Regular cost of all these Jesus. would be nine thousand four hundred ninety-six dollars. Wow. Yeah, and it's and I so I I paid. I feel guilty for this is the thing because I should have paid more. I paid ten bucks. To get all these games. I should have put in more. I did not realize at the time what I was getting. 
uh, and I, I, a slight correction, I was mostly right. Uh, all the proceeds went to NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and the Community Bail Fund. I knew there was something else in there. So it was for a really, really good cause. Um, I, again, if you missed that, like I'm going to put some links in the show notes for other places to go donate right now. They ended up raising $8.1 million, which is just... That's a staggering nuts. amount of money. Um, they were aiming for $5 million, so it was uh, 163% of their goal. Yeah, like I can't, I can't even fathom like how much good this is going to do. But so for the folks who got the the bundle, and for folks who didn't, the the games that I'm going to recommend are still pretty cheap. Um, but there are a few really quick games in there where if you're looking for something that's just like nice and sweet and sort of condensed, uh, I, I really want to recommend um, a short hike. I had my eye on that. You should play it. Uh, it. It is, I'm looking at it right now, it is compatible on Apple, and uh, it runs fine on my laptop, so it'll run well on basically any machine, if that's the case. Um, it is a 3D sort of a platformer. It's a very chill platformer where you play as a young like bird person. Uh, you're you're like, a, like a blackbird who is going to a national park with their aunt and you are expecting a phone call and you have to hike up to the peak of a nearby uh, mountain uh, and in order to get to where there's cell signal Uh, and it's just a game about that process and everyone's very cute it's a bunch of like animal characters sort of like um, like animal crossing-esque um very very fun movement you can do a little like glide because you're a bird um and the whole game i i played it there's definitely a way to like optimize it i'm sure like i've seen speed runs that are like three minutes um the whole game took me about like four or five hours i did it in a couple different sittings um very very sweet and the ending was just like i I just wanted to watch it, right? And then the ending happens, and then you're still kind of in the world up until a sort of post-ending dialogue that you can have. And I just kept playing. I just kept going around and seeing, like, okay, what are the other things that I can interact with? Who are the other characters I can talk to? Very, very well done. Oh, that sounds wonderful. That uh, sounds exactly like something I'd be interested in. Abs- it, it absolutely There need to is. be like, more games where the entire point is just go for a hike. Well, because and everyone's trapped inside right now. Exactly. Exactly. And the the other one I really want to recommend. Well, there's there's two more, but the the next one I really want to recommend is uh, Wide Ocean Big Jacket, which is a uh, it, it's a three D. <sighs> Calling it a story game, I don't think really does it justice. It's not. Diff- it's not like difficult. It's not really a platformer. It's not. Uh, uh, a shooter it is you play as a group of four people uh, two adults and two kids who uh, all have like various relationships with each other uh, it's um, uh, I'm gonna get all their names wrong now that I'm try- <laughs> that I'm trying but the the two kids are Mord and Ben I do remember that uh, and so it's Mord's uh, uncle and his wife Uh, are taking Mord and her boyfriend Ben uh, camping for the first time. Hmm. 
and you play rotating between those characters sort of having interactions with each other and going through the motions of like setting up the tent and cooking hot dogs and I things like that. this and having really sweet meaningful conversations with each other um and it's sort of just like a a way to experience a story that i think you could write it like you could it would make a really good comic book for example but because it's in a game the way that you get to interact with the various parts of it are super super just nice i don't know like like the experience of interacting with this setting makes it feel right like that's a i don't good know feeling to have yeah like i don't know that i would have wanted this story in any other way so that's that whole thing takes like 2 hours at most um very 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 worth the money though um i would i would actually recommend playing it with friends if you can like if you're if you're in quarantine with somebody uh put it up on a big screen and play it i made um, the mistake of having headphones in and like playing it on my own uh and so like at the at the end i genuinely wanted to cry like i was it was just Aww. so sweet and fantastic and lauren was like what what happened and i couldn't even i couldn't even explain it so now i'm gonna have her play it separately so that we can talk about it no uh the last game that i just beat last night uh is celeste and oh you beat celeste i beat celeste uh i took about i mean i didn't like i haven't done all the prologue levels i didn't get all the strawberries like i beat the story that took about seven hours i did it in a few sittings i have been put off from celeste because so many people talked about how hard it was it is hard it is difficult uh it's a for those who don't know it's a 2d platformer where you play a young woman who is climbing a mountain and you can jump and you can climb a little bit and you have a like dash ability that you gain. Uh, and it's a lot of really interesting and demanding levels where you have to be really considered about like, okay, I'm going to jump to here and then I'm going to dash that far and then I'm going to drop down and then I'm going to hold this thing for that long and then I'm going to jump off of that so that I can regain my dash ability so that I can dash up to. And you kind of like build these mental maps of the different places. What I was not expecting was the story, and the story is what got me through it. I think if it wasn't for the story in the game, I would have stopped, but the story is about this young woman climbing a mountain, and she doesn't know why she's climbing the mountain, but she's determined to climb the mountain, and as she starts interacting with other characters, one of which is a sort of darker side of her, the side of her that she doesn't like, she starts exploring, well, why am I climbing this mountain? Why am I so like dead set on getting to the top of this mountain? What am I running from or running to? What am I trying to learn? And it explores all these different ideas as you are physically like climbing the mountain. Uh, mm. And it it really helps you relate to the character in a way where you feel like your struggle is her struggle and, and, and vice versa. Um, very, very, very highly recommended. So that's a part of this bundle as well. And it's fairly cheap to get, I think. It's also on Switch, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if you have a switch, probably on a lot of places, probably in a lot of places, uh, it, it, it has been around for a bit, but highly, highly, highly recommended. Um, one of those things where it's like, I ended up staying up way later than I should have last night because I was just like, I can see the top. I need to finish this game. Like, and summoning the mountain felt genuinely really good. So there are my well, recommendations. Would... Two two games about climbing a mountain. <laughs> I guess because I really want to go. 
This I is, really want to go for a hike, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> do you like hiking? You don't strike me as much of a hiker. No, I do not like hiking. Well, <laughs> the thing is, is like I don't know whether I like hiking. I haven't been on a proper hike with people who like want to hike, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we never really went camping as a family growing up, so it was just like never a thing that I did. Um, but I guess, yeah, I guess I kind of want to try hiking now. See, that's crazy to me because... I have been camping and hiking literally since before I could walk. Well, I mean, you grew up on like the lake and you did Boy Scouts and... Yeah, I have a a rich history of being in the outdoors. So the idea that someone has not been hiking before is unsettling to me and it makes me want to go hiking with you, Tyler. I I would love that. I I think definitely we should, uh, you know, figure out a way to make that happen once uh, either I can visit you or you can come visit us. I'm sure there's some hiking around here we can do. Since I was planning this entire time to come and visit you this June, like ostensibly right now, but then coronavirus happened, uh, I'm mad that I can't do any of the fun stuff that I was meaning to do and get to see you and travel around the British Isles. You know, we'll we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. You'll come over here. Eventually. We'll go to the Highlands. We'll make a we'll make a podcast in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. Uh, Let's do, it. do you want to talk about Yu Gi Oh? Let's talk about Yu Gi Oh. Oh, first, uh, yeah. Before we go on, speaking of the Itchio bundle and fun games you could get, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, my friend's game that is in there, oh. uh, Plunge, made by yes, a friend me- of the show. Uh, Kristen and her husband, uh, Christian, who is the one of the designers, uh, Plunge is in there. It's a very fun game that I have on Switch. It's also out on Steam. I uh, it's a fun fucking... little puzzle game. Yeah, I started playing it. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, how would you describe it? I because like... I can't think of a good way to describe how it works. Yeah. Uh, so it has a couple different levels that separately are similar to something. So it has like a... The way I've been describing it is Mm -hmm. like, what if you had that like Zelda dungeon ice puzzle, except it's fun and you get to solve it with violence. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of it. So it has, it has two elements. It has like a run based roguelike kind of element where you are plunging into a dungeon. Uh, And the movement is where the, the sort of puzzle mechanic comes in. Because when you move, you slide all the way across the map in whatever direction you move. So sort of like an ice puzzle in a Zelda game. Uh, and it's all like that. So you have to figure out, okay, I am going to move to that wall so that I can move to that switch so that I can make the spikes go down. But I have to do it in two turns because there's this robot with a shield that's going to attack me and I have to wait for him to start the attack so that I can move into him so that I can get to that wall. And it, yeah, it just sort of like... Yeah, the movement and the combat is turn-based. Sort yeah, of. Oh, that, yeah, it's all it's all turn-based, similar to like a, like a net hack or a like a roguelike uh, like top-down sort of thing. Well, it's uh, not really turn-based even because it all happens at the same time. It's just that yeah, you choose so, when that happens. Right. So it's very similar to like, like NetHack, I think might be the closest uh, uh, analog there. Um, but super, super interesting, super interesting art style too. Like I, yes. the, the poster, I don't think does it justice. You really need to see it in motion. It's very like grungy, uh, 
it has like a like a it looks German like something grunge that would, yeah, vibe like an underground comics kind of vibe the art yeah is very fun to look at it's it looks really like really interesting comics that you would get like for a dollar that are being at sold at your local like coffee shop or something yeah like it like a zine like a zine yes everything feels handmade and it was handmade here in portland so so go buy it so go buy it it's fun <laughs> uh it's also on itch uh which is where the the bundle is so if you don't have steam if you don't have a switch uh if you have a pc with or or a mac i think uh with even moderate abilities you can run this game and it's super worth it i'm really excited to finish it now we can talk about Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> All right, let's talk Half about Half an Yu-Gi-Oh. hour into the show. You know, but that felt good. That felt good. We, yes. needed to, we needed to... Decompress. Before we started recording, just for the listeners, Jimmy and I were on a bit of a downer just because of current events. You all know what it is. I'm glad that we're back in Cheery. Let's get into talking about Yu-Gi-Oh. It's time to discuss... This season? I was hoping you were going to say that. Yes, it's time to discuss the season, season two. Uh, where do we want to start? Do we want to do like an episode by episode thing? Do we want to just give a broad... I'm not going to remember all the episodes. I, I, I'm I trying to think of like... I just have the Wikipedia thing pulled up, the Wikipedia oh, list of all the episodes. Uh, here, I'll, I'll send you the link that I'm looking at. Uh, Wikipedia honestly has like one of my favorite resources for Yu-Gi-Oh! where it's just one page that lists all of the seasons and their titles and their descriptions. They're like their episode summaries. Mm-hmm. Super, super useful for me. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of revisit where this season started. Sure. Let's it's, go on a journey. Let's go on a journey down, down uh, 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 memory Greetings, lane. loved ones. Let's go on a journey. <laughs> uh, the first episode of season two was called The Mystery Duelist Part One. And I've just noticed the translated title, uh, translated from the Japanese, it says, Challenge from the Past, The Terrifying Zira. Hey, it's our boy. One of the one of the finalists in the monster bracket that we'll talk about later is Zira the Mant. Uh, who didn't appear in this episode, I don't think. <laughs> Sir, not appearing in this film. Uh, the the summary there is the arcane fortune teller steals the Millennium Puzzle and Yugi must defeat him in a duel to win it back. I... However, this is no ordinary soothsayer. He's a familiar and formidable foe from the Duelist Kingdom. Or is he? Can Yugi beat him all alone without the help of his friends or the spirit inside of the puzzle? Reading this episode description, I had completely forgotten anything about this episode until I read the description of the Mystery Duelist Part 2. Right. This was so long ago. This was so long ago. So so we started with, uh, if I remember correctly, Yugi and Taya were just walking around Domino City being like, wow, uh, Duelist Kingdom sure was strange, huh? Glad we're out of that. Uh, <laughs> Good thing nothing bad is going to happen. And well, and Yugi even makes a point of saying, "Good thing nothing bad is going to happen." And just in case, I bought this industrial chain to hang the Millennium Puzzle from. <laughs> I so forgot that about his stupid it. chain. <laughs> and this became a major plot point. He got a, he got a, a major like heavy duty chain to, to hang the Millennium Puzzle from, like a bike lock chain. Yeah, <laughs> it's like um, 
Uh, oh, shit. What is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie where he plays a bike messenger? Do you remember this? Was it Push? Was it the other movie named Push? Joseph. Okay, hang on. I'm Googling this. Anyway, it was we'll like see. that. We'll they they use bike chains. <laughs> wow, that is that is a narrow cast joke for one person, my friend. There's Mac, be one Mac person. if you're listening. <laughs> one person who went to college with us. Who knows what we're talking about? Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt bike messenger movie. Uh premium rush was the name of the film where he uh, had a bike not just chain a that rush. Ex- <laughs> no this is this is that unleaded shit uh so uh yeah so anyway so he he got this as a security measure and then there's a fortune teller that just says hey kid i'll tell your fortune and yugi's like huh, all right cool and the fortune teller says but i need something very valuable to you i need something very like connected with your spirit and Yugi says, well, I have this Millennium Puzzle. I don't know if he says Millennium Puzzle, but anyway. Uh, he just and he goes, yeah. it over. And he goes, yeah, just let me hold it for a second. And Yugi goes, I, I don't see any harm in this. This seems fine. Meanwhile, Taya was like, no, this is this is a scam. I can smell it. Taya, uh, the one smart person in this show. Her and right. Uh, Mai. Right. Uh, but he hands the Millennium item over, and of course the person goes running off with it. Uh, and it turns out to be Bandit Keith uh, being mind-controlled by a mysterious figure. Foreshadowing. Bum, bum, bah. To what, flash uh, forward to the future where everyone is getting mind-controlled and spirits are jumping into geez. people left and right. Uh, what's the next big like plot beat that you can think of? The next big plot point is when they go to, uh, it's uh, still Yugi and Taya, and they go to the museum and learn about the god cards and, like, the pharaoh's past. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they do that. Uh, Is that before or after they play DDR? That is right after they play DDR (laughs) with Johnny Steps. (laughs) Um. Uh, I'm gonna call you out a little bit, Jimmy. Uh, so, uh, for my birthday, we played a game of Monster of the Week with uh, Lauren and Jimmy. You were there, and a friend of Lauren's was there. Uh, all over, you know, video chat, of course. And we were playing this game, this like noir sort of mystery game. And I was like, okay, what's everyone's character name? And Jimmy, who wanted to play this like sort of uh, Dick Tracy type. Says, he goes. Uh, my character's name is Johnny Steps. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first and only name that popped into my head, and I had to then explain who Johnny Steps was to Lauren <laughs> and her friend. Uh, uh, it's so that was that took a bit, but yeah. Now I have to deal with your fucking monster of the week character named Johnny Steps <laughs> next time we play. <laughs> The most fun part of Johnny Steps was getting to do his, like, real shitty, like, film noir detective voice. Do you want to give us a... Yeah, there we go. It's me, Johnny (laughs) Steps. Uh, That game was a... That was a shit show. I'm excited for the next one. Um... So yeah, okay, so we have Johnny Steps, uh, we have the DDR, we have learning about, uh, sort of the history of the Pharaoh and the sorcerer question mark mm-hmm. 
uh, who is Kaiba, basically, like ancient Kaiba. And, uh, you know, we learn that it's Yugi's destiny along with the Pharaoh to save the world from imminent danger. The, yeah. And at this, basically the same time, this is when Ishizu shows up, uh, meets Kaiba and gives <laughs> him obelisk and is like, hey, you've got ancient magical powers. Uh, why don't you have a big tournament and get the rest of these god cards? Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, this is what we learn about the god cards. Uh, Obelisk the Tormentor, Slifer the Sky Dragon, uh, Winged Dragon of Ra. And these are the three, like, most powerful cards in the game. Whoever what's the, whoever has them, like, rules the world. Is that it? I don't remember. Just, Something along this Whoever time. has them is really good at cards. I guess. Yes. Um, and, and so, yeah. So it's a Shizu's idea, then, to have a tournament. And, and then Kaiba's like, I have a great idea. I'm going to have a tournament. This was just my <laughs> idea and no one else's. It's very, um, uh, what's the guy, what's the Simpsons guy? The old guy? The old guy? <laughs> Abe Simpson? I don't, I, don't, I don't watch the Simpsons. The one, the one that steeples his fingers and goes, Oh, Mr. Accident. Burns. Mr. Burns. It's very Mr. Burns where like the assistant has an idea and Mr. Burns goes, I have an excellent idea. And then he just resets the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Kaiba is the Mr. Burns. Kaiba kind of is the Mr. Burns. Um, Release the hounds. <laughs> uh, and the only other thing I remember about this is we get some really great sequences of Kaiba testing Obelisk the Tormentor. Do you remember this? Like he, oh, he yeah. sort of plugs him into the uh, the uh, hologram system, and I remember he has uh, a like a training dummy, like a dueling robot. Yeah, and he has obelisk punch, and the punch somehow deals physical damage to the robot. <laughs> That's how powerful these cards are, I guess. Um, what what else happens here? The uh, I guess the entire rest of the season is just Battle City. Yeah, so we get Battle City starting, which I guess is just like announced citywide. Kaiba shows up on a fucking blimp and says, "Uh, hey, I bought Domino City. <laughs> I bought this whole city. It's mine now. It's mine. Uh, I'm gonna shut everything down for my card game tournament." Which, you know, okay. So I watched a speedrun recently of uh of Battle Arkham City. Asi- <laughs> of Battle City. No, of uh of Batman Arkham Asylum. Which Battle is City speedrun any percent. Go directly to Kaiba, glitch through the floor. <laughs> Beat him in one turn. Beat him in one turn. Yeah, there you go. Um God. Do you remember do you remember the controversy with Yu-Gi-Oh! speedruns recently? That was a trip. Yeah. Uh but I was watching this Arkham Asylum thing and I was thinking to myself, really what should have ha- what Bruce Wayne should have done is just bought Gotham. Yeah. He's and, got so much money. Right. He could just stop all crime by giving everyone like universal basic income. <laughs> right, universal basic income, uh uh you know, counseling for the villains, uh make sure that everybody's like getting their needs met sort of physically and emotionally. But no, he but, just likes to run around punching people in the dark. And then somebody else buys Gotham in Arkham City, and it goes horribly because they turn it into a prison. Yep. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, she's I don't know. Ugh. Escape from New York. <laughs> I 
thought you were dead. <laughs> Snake Pliskin. Uh, so, yeah, so, so, uh, Battle City... Battle City happens, and then happens. we just meet new duelists over and over again. Uh, Who are, Espa, like, the important duelists? Espa, Espa Rover. Espa Roba. Roba. <laughs> Espa oh, Espa Roba, I am. Uh, and, and Espa Roba's siblings, right? Yes. The, so, the Roba kids. So, Espa Roba is claiming to be a psychic sort of the same thing that that my did uh and then it turns out that it's actually espa's siblings with like binoculars and a radio <laughs> uh and they're all dressed the same they all look identical god so were ridiculous they, were they circus kids i don't remember it it's not important it, it's not important it felt that way uh who else let's see we got to arcana in oh, God. when Yugi was trapped in the circus tent underground, mm-hmm. um, that went on for like three episodes. Uh, our that good went friend, on far too long. Our good friend Weevil Underwood, right? Weevil's back. Weevil had that whole episode where he snuck the uh, parasite card into Joey's deck. I think that was two episodes. Yeah, and then Joey played the card that can't get infected because it's metal. Because it's oh god. <laughs> uh, then we went on to mind. <laughs> so control. many problems with that. Uh, we met strings. I want to point oh, out yeah. the like the artwork for season two features strings in the background, but strings mm-hmm. only appears for like two or three episodes and then is gone forever. I think strings. I feel like strings was meant to play a bigger role. Do we want to talk about who strings is, just in case? He is just some guy that gets mind controlled. He's just some That's... mime that gets mind controlled. He's mime controlled. Eh. Heyo, literally a bald goth mime. Um, and I think I think the reason that he's probably like included that heavily is just because he had Slife of the Sky Dragon in his deck. Yeah, but it wasn't him dueling. It was Merrick because dueling. it was Merrick mind controlling him, like with Bandit Keith. Yeah. Uh, you, I think you left out for the I'm art. So sorry, I think they just included him because he's just a stand-in for like the overarching theme. Is that Merrick is using all these like puppets? Oh, that's a good point. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him the uh, benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> you did skip. I'm so sorry. One of my favorite non-essential characters, the rare hunter that somehow has a deck full of exodias. Oh yeah, what was that guy's deal? How did he get so many exodias? So, so one of the one of the concepts that this this uh, season introduces is that there is a society of rare hunters, and they are people who just hunt down and collect rare cards by whatever means necessary. Uh, very similar, I guess, to Kaiba from season zero. Like they just. Mug people for cards, I guess. Um, but that means that they're they just, have—they're just card collectors, but like violent, right? Right. Uh, so that just means that they have like a shit ton of rare cards. And this guy, whose name I'm trying to find and I cannot find it, this guy for whatever reason has a deck full of uh, either Exodia cards or cards that let him draw Exodia cards, <laughs> and. How come Yugi doesn't have Exodia back? He could just get... If, there's so many freaking Exodias. He should have right. a full stack of Exodia by now. 
well, maybe this guy has all of them, right? Like maybe he's the he's the Seto Kaiba of Exodias. <laughs> and so Oops, he, all Exodias. Got, <laughs> right. So he duels, if I remember correctly, Joey was on his way to see Serenity in the hospital. And the rare hunters catch him in an alley, challenge him to a duel, beat him with Exodias, and get Joey's Red Eyes Black Dragon. Just walking down a dark alley and you get jumped by a dozen Exodias. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I forgot. I'm I, The other rule of Battle City is that when you win a duel, you get the loser's rarest card. Yeah. That's another. So that was the whole reason that Kaiba wanted to start this was so he could get people's rarest cards because the rarest of them all would be the Egyptian god cards. Anyway, so they get his red eyes black dragon and then Yugi challenges that person to a duel the next day so that he can get the red eyes black dragon back and the way that he beats the exodia is by conveniently having a card that removes one part of exodia from the entire deck so this guy ends up just having like what the head of exodia just the head of exodia just like floating there on the ground on the battlefield (laughs) uh and it's horrible Uh, that goes very poorly for that person. I just posted somewhere. I, I made a separate Twitter account for my like switch video uploads. Um, and I, one of the ones that I posted was a video of me playing that horrible Yu-Gi-Oh switch game. And you can play that duel where it's Yugi versus the rare hunter with the Exodias. And after you beat it, the first time you play it, you play it as Yugi, but mm-hmm. after you beat it, you can play it as the rare hunter. <laughs> And so, so the video that I posted is me playing it and winning on turn one just by drawing so many cards that I get all of Exodia on turn one. And you don't have to play all the cards. You just have to have them in your hand. <laughs> just having Exodia is enough to win. Right, right, right. So it's just like 30 seconds of like, okay, well, that was the duel, I guess. <laughs> good, good game. All right. Uh, well, anyway. But okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. So that happened. Uh, Esperoba, Arcana, Mako Tsunami. Mako Tsunami comes back. Mako's next. We get a really uh, 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 great couple of episodes with Shamu the whale. (laughs) Literal, actual, real-life whale Shamu is here in this cartoon. Biggest crossover of the century. Uh, And this is... He, these are the episodes where Merrick arrives and meets uh, Bakura and they team up. Well, not really team right. up, but they come to an agreement. Can can we talk real briefly about Merrick's introduction into the show? Just on the front of his yacht, like Leonardo <laughs> yeah. DiCaprio? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's so just like say what you will about Merrick. But like, I will. The, Fuck that guy. <laughs> but he knows how to make an entrance because the first two shots you get of Merrick, uh, well, okay, pardon me. You get mysterious, like, ooh, I'm mind controlling somebody and, like, I'm sitting on a throne. Um, but then you get standing on the front of a yacht like Leonardo DiCaprio and you get jumping from that to riding a motorcycle at full speed down, uh, like, main the back road. back alleys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he's wearing like a pink sleeveless hoodie with. He, he has a very specific necklaces. aesthetic, and he is going to ride that line hard. It's like. It's like almost a scene kid look. 
it's very much somebody who would be influential on TikTok now, he, right? I feel like Merrick would definitely be more of an Instagrammer. He'd be like showing off his yacht and like his motorcycle and all his like rare cards and shit and taunting yeah. his enemies. And like every other post would be sponsored. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That tracks. <laughs> uh, and then we, okay. So yes, yeah, so we get Merrick. Merrick teams up with Bakura because uh, Merrick has the millennium rod, which Bakura wants. And Bakura is a ancient spirit. Who's good at dueling. Uh, oh yeah. Sorry. When we say Bakura, we mean Bakura's body. <laughs> <laughs> the shell previously known as Bakura. The spirit of the Millennium Ring is currently inhabiting Bakura uh, at, at the start of the season. And uh, uh, teams up with, with Merrick. And then Merrick decides that he is going to infiltrate Yugi's circle of trust by injuring Bakura and... And then, like, pretending to help him. I forgot then, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they're like, okay, well, we got to go meet Yugi, who's the the kid with the Millennium Puzzle. Uh, you want to get in good with him. And so what happens is, is they stab Bakura, then carry him to where Yugi and his group of friends are. They're just not treating that poor boy's body with any respect. Not at all. Not at all. And they're like, oh, gosh, okay, let's get him to a hospital. Grandpa takes Bakura to a hospital. And they're like, thanks for saving Bakura. We really appreciate it. Like, boy, whoever stabbed him must have been a real meanie. Uh, and he says, yes, hi, hello, I'm Namu. This is part of his evil plan to join their ranks uh, uh, in the tournament so that he can be friends with them. Betray them on the them. inside. Right. The duelists are coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we meet Merrick slash Namu. Yeah. Uh, what else do we got in here? Oh, uh, Loomis and Umbra. Oh, those guys. We we meet them twice, technically. Uh, the first time we meet them is on the way to duel strings. They intercept Yugi and Kaiba. And, and then they Kaiba... like, get resoundly thrashed. Yeah, so Kaiba, in one turn, summons three Blue-Eyes White Dragons, and I think Ultimate, or Blue-Eyes Ultimate Dragon? I don't remember. Somehow he he breaks some rule, and he beats them in one turn, and it's hilarious and amazing. The second time is when they're on top of that building. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah, they're on the, like, glass of the, like, apartment building or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're on the skylight of an apartment building, this giant-ass skylight. And each one, each one of these four panels on a skylight has, like, a small explosive rigged to blow if that duelist drops to zero life points. So if if they drop to zero life pl- points, then the window they're standing on will explode and they'll fall hundreds and hundreds of feet to their death. Except it's what? four kids, so they'll just pass through <laughs> exactly. an invisible portal to the Shadow Realm. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of couching it and like no no no, you'll just fall into the shadow realm it'll be fine <laughs> you'll just be trapped in hell for eternity it's cool right kid friendly so that happens obviously yugi and kaiba win uh kid tested power of, approved. <laughs> right through through the power of teamwork and, and friendship they win uh well 
just teamwork, I guess. Yeah. Uh, pardon me. I had to take a sip of water there. Uh, then, oh yeah, then Mokuba got kidnapped. Oh yeah, and they had to rescue Mokuba. Um, and then they go and try and fight Merrick, and then Taya gets mind controlled and trapped, and Joey is also under mind control, and Yugi has to fight Joey. And then oh, they're God, like, yeah, they're at the uh, in the the port with all that weird stuff, and there's like an anchor attached to them and shit. Right, right. Very similar. There's a lot of like gimmicks this season of if your life points drop to zero, you'll be sent to the shadow realm. Uh, this was the one that I don't think they could have gotten away with the shadow realm thing. Like, I think this was just like going to end in death because they strapped them each to an anchor so that whoever loses gets pulled to Davy Jones's locker, (laughs) which I don't think is is next door to the shadow realm. This is the shadow realm ocean. You, you fall into the water, (laughs) you get sent to the shadow realm. Uh, yeah. So that, that episode was rough. Um, but in the end, like, uh, you know, Joey comes to, they figure a way out of it. Uh, that's actually when Serenity kind of rejoins the story. Oh, yeah. Serenity's been in the hospital this whole time following it's not even eye a surgery. B plot. It's more of a C plot. Serenity yeah. is here, too. Uh, um, and this episode is the first episode where Serenity takes her bandages off and sees her big brother. Uh, she actually jumps in the water to save him from drowning. Um, What else? Uh, This is when... Oh, uh, Bakura... Sends Bones and his friends to the Shadow oh. Realm. Hashtag justice for Bones. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. A completely forgettable episode. My versus Jean-Claude Magnum, who just oh. shows up out of nowhere. Fuck, yes. <laughs> through his yeah, own oh. movie poster. This, I wish I want an entire season about that episode. <laughs> like... So it turns out it turns out that Mai had actually agreed to marry this guy if he would beat her in a duel. So here he is. He swoops in at the last possible second, challenges her to a duel, uh, and he is this big Hollywood action star. Uh, and his deck is all about ninjas because that's he plays ninjas in movies, and he is not at all a John Claude Van Damme ripoff. <laughs> so that happens, and now we finally get to the battle blimp uh and now this is all coming back much faster because this is more recent episodes but they all get on the blimp and duel each other a bunch uh we learn about merrick's backstory we learn about odeon duel 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 and Mm. to be continued oh yeah odeon's here yeah 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 so the the whole plot earlier with with merrick pretending to be namu that was because his right hand man odeon joined the the tournament as merrick yeah so there's this whole thing of like uh, you, oh yes i am merrick but that's not actually merrick and then namu is merrick and then bakura is also dueling for merrick so there's like sort of multiple points of entry here that merrick is trying yeah. to win this tournament by and none of them pan out <laughs> <laughs> stacking the deck in his favor to use a a card game term yeah and it doesn't even work because they find out who merrick is uh, yeah, they find out who Merrick is because, so Odeon duels Joey and attempts to summon the Winged Dragon of Ra, which is the the Egyptian god card that Merrick keeps in his deck. Um, because Yugi now has Slifer the Sky Dragon after defeating Strings. Yeah. 
So uh, he tries to summon Winged Dragon of Ra, and it's revealed that it is a counterfeit Winged Dragon of Ra. Merrick had a bunch of copies made, and there's this whole thing about how the the power of the Egyptian gods is actually so strong that this act of making copies angered the gods. <laughs> You've created a graven image of the winged dragon of Ra, and he gets pissed off. And it, like, actually killed people in the making. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Merrick, or, uh, not Merrick, hashtag not Merrick, uh, but Odeon actually plays this counterfeit, whoa, pardon me, uh, plays this counterfeit winged dragon of Ra, and it causes lightning to start striking the blimp. Uh, and specifically it strikes Odeon, uh, and Joey. Yep. And how did that, how did that duel end? (laughs) What happened there? Um. Was it just Joey got up through the power of friendship? That is exactly what happened. And, and because- Not Odeon though. Sorry, Odeon. Yeah, we never see Odeon again. Uh, we talk a lot about him. We see, well, I guess we we see see him unconscious. Yeah, he's passed out. Uh, and uh, yeah, so Joey won that one. And then since Odeon is unconscious, he can't help restrain uh, Yami Merrick, who takes control of Merrick. Right. And so Merrick reveals himself, or Yami Merrick reveals himself, I guess, the the dark uh, uh, spirit from Merrick, sort of Merrick's uh, uh, hatred and rage uh, that we got a whole backstory of that's like not super convincing. Yeah. Cause it's not like it's the like the oh, spirit of the millennium rod or whatever. Like it's just, he's angry. Yeah. And then my goes up against Merrick. Um, Merrick traps her in the shadow. She he traps her mind in the shadow realm for getting her friends. Right. Right. Uh, let's see. And she's still in the Shadow Realm. Uh, yeah, right now she's still in the Shadow Realm in where we're at in the story. Uh, Merrick is able to summon Ra, so she goes to the Shadow Realm. Um, Ishizu duels Kaiba and loses. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, Do we want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, we can. It's <laughs> I basically just summed it up. She loses. Yeah, she loses. And learns that but destiny she, she, is not set in stone or whatever. Right, because Shizu's Millennium Item lets her see into the future, right? So yeah. she's using that to, like, realize, okay, hey, like, here's how I'm going to win this duel, et cetera, et cetera. And then Kaiba changes the future. Uh, yeah. So she realizes, oh, you are connected to uh, ancient Egypt and the Pharaoh in, like, more ways that you want than, than you want to acknowledge. Uh, this is really important. Yeah, Kaiba was going to summon Obelisk the Tormentor and lose, but instead he sacrifices Obelisk to bring out Blue-Eyes White Dragon. Right, which is the monster that's on that ancient tablet that Ishizu showed to Kaiba and Yugi way back at the beginning of this season. Yep. Uh, What else do we get? We get... We um, learn more about Merrick's backstory. Right. Uh, and then finally, uh, Bakura deals Merrick on top of the blimp. While everyone else is asleep, uh, Bakura oh. loses. Yeah, uh, and Merrick, not Yami Merrick, but regular Merrick, is also sent to the Shadow Realm or trapped or whatever. They right. both lose, and so now the only guy in Merrick is Yami Merrick. 
Right. Yeah. So part of the part <laughs> now of is the where we American... get to like all these bits where there's different souls and different people, and it's a whole mess. Yeah. So part of the thing with with Yami Merrick that's so interesting is so it's it's not like a an ancient spirit or anything. It is sort of a part of Merrick that is evil came loose and kicked the good part of Merrick out of his body. Yep. So the good part of Merrick, because of some stuff that happened earlier, was transferred to Taya. And through <laughs> Taya... Oh, God, I'm going to get this so wrong. Bits of... Uh, just to like a fraction of him was transferred yeah. to Taya. Uh, a lot of him was also put into the Millennium Necklace. Because of Taya. Because the other thing that Millennium happened Ring. to Taya is, is when... When Bakura uh, lost a duel? Yeah, Bakura lost the duel against Yugi. I'm getting this wrong, but I'm also, I don't want, I don't want to look at the wiki for this. Uh, Yami Bakura. Yeah, oh yeah, versus Yugi. So Bakura, uh, the Spirit of the Millennium Ring inhabiting Bakura duels yugi as part of the finals of the, of the tournament loses the millennium ring goes flying and Taya catches it and because of that the spirit of the millennium ring takes temporary control of Taya and sort of like stays dormant within her so at a certain point there is both the good spirit of merrick and the bad spirit of the millennium ring in Taya. And the good spirit of Merrick has Taya use the power of the Millennium Ring to transfer his spirit into the body of Bakura, along with the spirit of the Millennium Ring. So now in Bakura is notably not Bakura. It is <laughs> Where is Bakura anyway? Are we ever going to see original Bakura again? I, I feel like he's in there somewhere, but... I don't know i don't know he's gonna wake up like two years into the future and be like what the fuck is going on <laughs> uh so so we have the spirit of millennium ring and good merrick the people that struck up the deal at the beginning of the season where they were gonna like help each other out and like get the egyptian god cards and the millennium ring millennium items and so on and so forth they duel yami merrick and the end of this, almost the end of the season, is they lose to Yami Merrick and both get sent to the Shadow Realm. But Bakura says some ominous shit that make me think that he's going to come back. Does that sound right? Yeah. I know. I know for a fact what happens with Bakura because I've looked up some spoilers. I haven't watched that far in the series, but I know what happens, and I'm very excited for it. Oh, good. Let's uh, uh, find out together. Let's find out together. Um, and but, then how does the season actually end? Uh, it's still just Merrick versus Bakura. And Yugi shows up and is like, hey. And then nothing happens and that's the end of the season. <laughs> well, and we get and we get a we get a Kyber Brothers scene, don't we? We get them like flying the blimp and we get, we get a reveal of where they're going. Yeah, they're... Then in the last three minutes of all of season two, we get this info dump about where they're going and why they're going there. About how the Kaiba brothers are going to, like, Kaiba Corp Island, where Kaiba took over the family business and, like, exiled his his stepdad. Right. Right. Left him with nothing. Left him Built with a nothing. Built tower to mock him. 
And now they're going back to hold the finals there as a final fuck you, I'm Kaiba. I do what I want. Well, yeah, and he does this sort of thing of like, I'm ready to finally show the world that I'm like the most powerful person on earth and I am I am here to reclaim my throne, I guess. Maybe there's a throne there. <laughs> I would not be surprised whatsoever if Kaiba built himself a throne. Yeah, that would be kind of in character. <laughs> uh, but it, but it, the season ends then, is, I guess is what we're saying, without seeing the final duel of the finals. Yeah. Or the... The semifinals, I guess, right? Because we have Kaiba, Yugi, Merrick, Joey? Yeah. I think it's Cause, true. Yeah, because Joey beat Odeon, Yugi beat Bakura, Merrick beat Mai, Kaiba beat Ishizu. So, oh. we're, so we're at the semifinals. We're at the semifinals. <laughs> we're at the end of at the season, end of the season two, and we don't even get to see them. Uh, what's interesting about this is, is, you know, we were really concerned, like, oh shit, like, okay, the season ends for the people watching this live. Like, do they have to wait <laughs> for new episodes to come out? Uh, luckily no. So in Japan, the first episode of season three aired the same day as the last episode of season two. And then the States it aired a week later. Crazy. So it just, it, it's all just one season at this point. It all kind of blends into each other. Two that's seasons. anime, baby. <laughs> hey, that's that's Yu-Gi-Oh for you. Uh, so that's season two. Do you want to talk about our two. best and worst? I would love to, uh, Jimmy. I I really, <laughs> I'm very curious. There was so much of that last half where I watched you just lean back and just like, yep, this is a duel that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it all kind of ran together. It did. It did. But I'm really curious, what was the best part of season two for you? For me, the best part of season two as a whole was how much it tried to flesh out the lore and the backstory of the show while also Mm. trying to take their crazy duels and kind of shoehorn it into being an actual card game with rules. They're like, because at that point, I think they had released the card game and they're like, oh, shit, we have to actually make this make sense. (laughs) Right, right. So we they they really tried to make the card game have actual rules instead of just being able to do random shit like stabbing the moon. God and bless them. They tried. They didn't do a good job. Um, well, especially I, I'll give them a pass for having the, the god cards because like in the fiction of the show, the god cards are like insanely powerful and you can't like really control them. And so they have yeah, all they're, these, like, they're... extra effects that you could not actually have in a physical, real-world card game. They're inherently unknowable beings. They're inherently unknowable beings. Um, but I have to give them points for trying to, like, separate the, the, the mishmash of Season 1 and try to show that, yeah, here is an actual card game, and here is the, like, actual magic and history behind right. it. Yeah, yeah, we and we got like a couple of really good flashback episodes with Pegasus, like discovering the the god cards for the first time. Yeah. That was really cool. Discovering all these um, stone tablets and like the history of how he made them, and like trying to, I what sticks out in my mind most about season two is the montage hmm. of Pegasus like testing the the god cards and like all the terrible accidents that befell the like card researchers who are designing them 
like mm-hmm. accidentally summoning the Egyptian gods, the go- the god monsters, and then like Slifer like co- coiled around the apartment building and like killing the guy and stuff. Oh yeah, gosh, that was one of the best shots of this show, where you get like the high rise apartment building and the lightning flashes and it illuminates Slifer the Sky Dragon like wrapped around this building. Yeah, this the idea that these cards are so what they represent is so powerful that just like the tiny these tiny little cardboard things are enough to like cause this ancient powerful evil energy to like leak into the real world and cause physical harm to people is very cool to me. Yeah, yeah, super I mean I I think I brought it up in the episodes but like it's very similar to a lot of horror movies uh and it worked really effectively here I think. I th- I feel like if someone took the Yu-Gi-Oh universe and made a horror movie out of it, it would be very effective. I think there's a lot to to do with that because you could real really easily take the idea that these cards are like actual ancient demons or whatever that people are like sending out to fight each other and yeah. make something bad happen there. And I feel Did like you watch the they're trying to show that a little in the show, but it's still yeah. a kid's. It's still a kid's show. It's still a kid's show. Yeah, I I really... We talked about it last week, and I didn't have the chance to do it, but I really want to go back and watch some of these episodes in the Japanese uh, version because, you know, you have, like, less censorship and stuff just to see how much farther they push it because there are things like they censored some of the, like, monsters' attacks. They censored the knife and the Millennium Rod, like, that sort of thing, just to see if maybe they go just that little bit extra horror, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I was going to ask, did you ever watch the Full Metal Alchemist live-action movie? I think I did, yeah. They did a thing where they made it into, like, a zombie movie at the end. And I don't think it was as effective as they wanted it to be, but I think you could do a similar thing here where you make it a monster movie at the end. And it's like... That would work very well. Yeah, right? Because it can be very creepy, I think, when it wants to be. Yeah. If you get, if you had the team who made, like, Shin Godzilla and gave them, mm. like, a blank check to make a Yu-Gi-Oh! movie, they could make it absolutely horrifying. That would be really good. We need to do an episode, I think, where we where we fan cast a live action Yu Gi Oh remake. I wonder if there is an actual. Oh, is that a no. thing? Has anyone done this? Yu Gi Oh live action. We should there, know this. There's a there's fan made trailers, but there's no like actual. Oh, fan, like, okay. Movie. Which is probably good because I feel like it would be bad. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do it 100% accurately, right? No. Like, you couldn't do Yugi's hair. <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> uh, comicbook.com, Yu-Gi-Oh! getting live-action teaser from Detective Pikachu artist. Oh, okay, but it's another fan thing. It's yeah. somebody who worked on Detective Pikachu doing a fan thing for Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, but uh, no, I, I agree. I think I think that sort of balance of like this is a children's card game versus these are actual demons question mark uh i i think this season handled it a lot better than the last season yeah which is just like barely starting to hint at it the last season was just kind of a, a mishmash of different things that they were trying to get across 
Yeah. What was your best of this season? My best, I mean, my best is kind of silly, but it's the thing that stands out to me the most. I love the idea of Battle City for a lot of reasons. I love that everyone was okay with it. (laughs) Uh, Like, Kaiba buys the whole city, right? Like, Domino City is in America, according to the dub. And he's just like, nope, it's Battle City now. Uh, you can go out and duel and it becomes like the first week of Pokemon go. It does. Everybody's out. Everybody's out. Everybody's dueling each other. Everybody's having fun. They're getting those locator cards. They're getting rare cards. Uh, they've got their dual discs. This is the introduction of the dual disc. And the thing that I love the most is how much everyone buys into it. Both in like enthusiasm, right? Like people are obviously excited, and in actual monetary resources. Because the rare hunters show up, and not only are they there to like duel, which they could do literally anywhere, they buy property <laughs> and build special traps for people like Yugi to come in and duel or get sent to the Shadow Realm. Uh, one of the first episodes where Yugi fights uh, uh, Arcana is in a circus tent that has a mysterious underground like layer in it that has a locked door, and in that is a different circus tent that has chainsaws <laughs> that like strap you in, and if you lose, you get buzzsawed to the Shadow Realm. <laughs> like, uh, there's something about that where it's just like it's not just that Kaiba bought domino city it's that everyone else is buying into this idea and they're so ready to make battle city just this incredible tournament that has all of these different aspects of like buildings and and advertisements and and uh, you know like restaurants are getting into it right it's almost Uh, like a there's like a world's fair scenario where people are coming from all over shutting down an entire city to make it one giant festival and we even yes. get to see those like those two old guys who have no idea what's going on, but they're they're here for it. Right. They get into it too. We get the two I don't even know what both I think one of them is named Bob, I think is all I can remember. And the other one doesn't get named, but they're just like, I don't understand this, but the kids seem to be really into it. So like, cool. <laughs> let's let's do it. Yeah. Why well, let's sign up. Um Bob is the the final duel of season three. <laughs> God, that would be amazing. I would love that so much. Uh, but I just love that buy-in that everybody gets instantly, right? Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to tack onto that, but but I think I think mostly just knowing that somebody paid for a circus tent to be built within a circus tent and for chainsaws that send you to the Shadow Realm to be well, put inside that circus tent. It was Merrick's idea, though. So did he pay for it or did he just mind control people into building it? I mean, <sighs> he's throwing around a lot of cash with his yacht and stuff. So it's entirely pros- possible that he like paid people. Yeah. little column A, little column B, right? Yeah. Like there was definitely some coercion happening, whether it was magical or monetary. Magic and monetary is the name of my new role playing game. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, anyway, so I, I just I love everything about Battle City. Um, how about the worst part of this season for you? The worst part of season two for me was all the multi-part episodes that really could have been just like one or two episodes. 
that mm-hmm. they clearly just had to have a bunch of padding for this season, for this tournament arc. And they were like, let's take all these random duelists that we don't care about and just stretch them for like four episodes. Yeah. A lot of these like... really tanked the pacing. Yes. It made yes. me feel well, like it... season two lasted forever. It, it yeah well and it, it it's it's sort of it's stretched and it condensed in weird places right because you had long episodes that felt long anyway uh episodes like the rescue do you remember this when they were flying to go rescue mokuba uh and joey and Taya? oh yeah in, were, the, in the helicopter and all it was was a clip show of like flashbacks yeah so it was technically new information, but it wasn't anything that we didn't know. It was just stuff that we hadn't seen yet. Yeah. And that episode felt like it took forever. And then the next episode was so much information packed into 20 minutes where you're just like, whoa, 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 hang on, slow down. Like, who's mind controlling with what power? What's happening? Yeah, all the episodes that have actual, like, plot significance were just like one episode and there was just like a bomb of information all at once and then they took mm-hmm. all the episodes where nothing really happened and stretched them out into just this mass of dueling yeah and i feel like I feel like they should be reversed yeah yeah or 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 evened out a little bit right yeah. like put a little bit of plot into this episode where not much else happens because there was so much where literally nothing happened to move the plot forward. Yeah. Johnny Steps. John- <laughs> Our good friend Johnny Steps. <laughs> well, I do have a runner-up gripe, and it does kind of concern Johnny Steps. Um, okay. I wish that the the filler episodes focus more on the characters uh, themselves rather than like random dipshit duelists we don't care about, like Johnny Steps. Because um, mm. like in season zero... The characters had so much more character to them and just the way they interacted with each other felt so much more like they were people and especially like they're teenagers who are friends, but they're also like roasting each other all the time. Right, right. I mean, yeah, like they're, well, like you said, they're teenagers who are friends. Of course, they're roasting each other all the time. And then you then you start to get this sort of dichotomy of like, well, they're teenagers who are friends and one of them has an ancient spirit living inside of them. Yeah, I would have loved to see even episodes that don't have a duel where it's just them hanging out with the Pharaoh. And like, can you imagine like a fish out of water episode where they're like exploring the city with the Pharaoh for the first time and introducing him to various stuff? And he's like, yeah. kind of trying to get his memory back. That's kind of what happens in the Johnny Steps episode, though. Just barely. Just barely. Is that a, is that a good episode? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Because we do learn a lot about Taya in that episode. Like, we learn that she likes dancing. We learn that she loves this, like, weird DDR game. And that she's really good at it. Well, and that she, like... They do that for, like, five minutes. And then the rest of the episode is just dueling. A duel that doesn't have to be there. Right. So, yeah, that's my my minor... My my uh, second place worst. But For what sure. Was, I mean, what was your worst? My, it's super similar. Like it's it's it might as well be the same thing. Merrick's whole plan had like sixteen sub plans that all sort of snaked around each other, and he had to have like contingency upon contingency that none of them were like 
really backups of each other necessarily. They were just kind of all simultaneous plans. And everything Merrick did got so convoluted so quickly that he might have been more effective just going in and being like, yo, I'm Merrick. I have mind control powers. What's up? Like, yeah. Let me into your tournament. All his like subplots kind of failed. He had all this stuff going on to like stack the deck in his favor during the tournament and like had, he was surrounding himself with all these other guys. And then they show up on top of the blimp and Yugi is like, someone around here smells evil. Oh, it's that guy. No, there it is. All right, cool. Let me use my magic powers to see who's evil. Oh, it's this dude standing over here (laughs) that we just met. Allow me to use the level one spell detect good or evil. (laughs) And it all, yeah, it all just kind of falls apart super quickly. And I just, similar to what you were saying, where we spend so much time on things that don't matter. I wish that Merrick had just like gotten to the point. It would have Because the rest of his story is super interesting. Yeah, there's so much neat stuff about Merrick and his backstory that we could have spent more time on and didn't. And, you know, I, I just want to see my, my pink boy be evil. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how, what if there was an entire episode where it was just a day in the life of Merrick, like unloading the yacht and like being a dick to Odeon and stuff. And like, and I think it was just shown that way naturally instead of having flashbacks. Right. And I think you could do a lot with that. You could put plot into that. You could put backstory into that, but you wouldn't have to slow down for like multiple episodes and then speed everything up again <laughs> after the fact. Yeah. It was rubber banding like Mario Kart. Yes. Yes, exactly. It, it, I, Unbearable is what it was. All your all, the entire race in like sixth place, and then you get a blue shell, zoop to the front, and then you get hit by a red shell, and then you go back to sixth place for like the rest of the game. This right. is this season was the Mario Kart of uh of anime, but like not as fun. I'd watch a Mario Kart yeah. anime. A Mario Kart anime could actually be pretty good. Uh, would it be? I mean, I guess Mario would be the main character, though. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) (laughs) They'd have to give him more of a personality and, like, lines. Yeah. Did you ever watch the Super Mario Super Show? No. I know I've watched an episode. I think it's on Netflix. I think I still have that DVD you gave me when you moved of the Mario movie that I need to watch. Oh, okay, yeah. The Mario movie is a different story. The Mario movie <laughs> is a modern masterpiece. That's the one time that I'll I'll get behind Mario as the main character. I don't know. Mario's just boring is the thing. Yeah. He's he's one-dimensional. But that's neither here nor there. Um that's yeah, I think that is going to be my my worst of the season. And yeah, like you said, the rubber banding is just like God, I, I know they needed to make 48 episodes, but there's so many different ways that you could have done that. They could have easily made it <laughs> twice as good and half as long. Or, or you know, even just by placing different things in different episodes, make it just as long and twice as good. Yeah. But, you know what? That's all right. Oh. Uh, so that's our best and worst of the season. Did you have anything else you wanted to, to throw in there? Nope. All right. Well, we've brought in my partner, Lauren. Uh, who's putting her headphones on right now? Hi, Lauren. Here she is. Here she comes. Hi. 
play by play. Uh, she's sitting down. She's articulating the microphone arm. She's oh yeah, I have a, a mic stand now, Ooh. like Tyler. I'm fancy. I need yeah, to get fa- one of those. Oh here, here I can get you. In Actually, a uh, part of this podcast now. Well, but y- you you don't hold your mic in front of you. See, before this, Tyler had a really fancy, nice articulated arm mic stand, and I had to hold the mic in front of my mouth as I talked. Yeah, like we used animal. to record the podcast on your couch, just holding the mics. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm upgrading us slowly. We're getting there. Yeah, my mic is just sitting here on the desk in front of me, but if I brought it close, we can Whoa. bring you to ASMR Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> oh, God. It's, ti- uh, it's time to, 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 to duel. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be a very interesting bonus episode. We'll have to figure out how to make it. <laughs> that's not. Uh, every week on the show, we bring in my partner Lauren to play a little game I like to call Yugi or Not, uh, in which she guesses whether something is a Yu-Gi-Oh card or is just something that sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. It's maybe the most popular segment of this show. Is it really? How do you know that? I just, in my heart, oh, I don't know. intuition. Um, we're not gonna play that this week oh we're gonna play a slightly different (laughs) we are gonna play a game with you you're here to play a game okay yeah also we Uh, need you for the monster bracket yes oh yeah uh this week we are going to play a little game i like to call bakura or not (laughs) i'm very excited or not so Um, lauren which one's bakura in season one, we are introduced to a young boy named Bakura. A fancy, has... posh British lad. Let me pull up a picture. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he's a fancy, posh British boy named Bakura. Uh, he has white hair. He looks like a a jovial waif. That's <laughs> maybe the best way to describe <laughs> okay. him. Uh, and he is uh, in possession of an item known as the Millennium Ring. The Millennium Ring... Uh, has an evil spirit inside of it known as the spirit of the Millennium Ring. <laughs> Creative. Bakura is not in season two. Uh-huh. But his body is. And his body is a vessel for many a thing. Uh, as as bodies can be. Uh-huh. Bakura becomes sort of the focus of multiple possessions. Uh, sometimes simultaneously. Mm. So this game is I'm going to list some Yu-Gi-Oh characters and you have to tell me which of them have inhabited Bakura's body at one point during the show. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so I don't, I don't even think I could name how many do we usually do? I don't know that I could name six Yu-Gi-Oh characters, <laughs> honestly. So, uh, Oh, pardon me. I'm going to expand this a little bit. So have inhabited Bakura's body or have been inhabited by Bakura. What? Yes. So I'm so lost. He is a ghost, but also there are other ghosts that take over his body. This is this is maybe the best argument I've ever had for watching Yu-Gi-Oh! Like (laughs) (laughs) if you want to get me to watch something. Magic, ghosts, haunted things. Cursed items. So I'm going to list uh, six Yu-Gi-Oh characters, and you have to tell me mm-hmm. if they have possessed 
or have been possessed by Bakura. You know, sometimes when we play normal Yugi or not, I like I I I know I haven't seen Yu-Gi-Oh, but maybe I stand a chance because I might have like some incidental knowledge of the other thing that we're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. this time I'm just going in blind, blind on this one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Flying, so you're uh, coming in blinder than Serenity. <laughs> God. God. I don't get that reference. <laughs> Uh, she's one of the major plot points of season one is that Joey's sister Serenity is going oh, blind. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so we're going to start with Mokuba. Mokuba is Seto Kaiba's younger brother, and I hate him. Um, Why would you say that, Tyler? <laughs> uh, then uh, Joey Wheeler. Wow, Tyler doesn't even have these typed out ahead of time. He's typing them out right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I did not prepare for this. <laughs> I came up with this hours ago. Uh, Joey Wheeler. Can, Jimmy, can you do a bit of Joey for me? Yeah, it's me, Joey. It's your boy, Joey Wheeler. I'm the top duelist of duelist kingdom, except for my buddy Yugi. I'm walking here. Uh, <laughs> Where's then... my cannoli? <laughs> bada bing, uh, bada boom. Merrick Ishtar. I don't know if you can do Merrick's voice. Mokuba Kaiba is Mokuba's no name. try. Merrick I've tried to do Merrick before and it wrecks my throat. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, the spirit of the Millennium Puzzle. These spirits did they have identities before they were attached to the objects, or no? They they only exist in relation to the objects. That is an excellent question. Uh, the spirit of the Millennium Puzzle is also called the Pharaoh, and he's big Yugi. Yeah, I know that much. I've gathered that. But you're asking all the right questions. Okay. We haven't learned his name yet, I don't think. Because he has forgotten after being in a puzzle for 5,000 years. You know, I don't blame him. Uh, let's see. My Valentine. Uh, who's the one of the two girls? Uh, the oh, other, great. the other girl is Taya Gardner. So all of these characters have either been possessed by who is it again, Bakura? So or he has possessed them. Uh, so three of these characters have <laughs> been possessed by or have possessed Bakura. And three have not. So what am what am I telling you then? Which ones have been? And then the other three are the ones that Bakura's spirited. No, no, no. They they have had. Oh no, my god! The other three have had no spiritual interaction with Bakura whatsoever. Okay. This may be a terrible idea. Oh. <laughs> I was trying to come up with something that's like season appropriate. Uh. So the end of the end of season two is Bakura getting sent to the Shadow Realm. Okay. And at that point, there are two spirits within Bakura. Yeah. Oh, and are do I have to tell you which two? You can tell are? for, oh my for God. a bonus point, you can tell me which you can guess which two are in Bakura. Um, oh wait, hang on. Shit, shit, shit. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I fucked something up. Oh no, what? Okay, I'm going to give you a freebie because I fucked something up. 
there's also the spirit of the millennium ring. <laughs> What? So, <laughs> this is a horrible idea. Why did I do this? So, the spirit of the Millennium Ring at the end of season two uh-huh. was possessing Bakura in addition to one other spirit. Oh, I see. Okay. So, I left one out. Okay. On accident. But there's but still. But if I tell you the other one. There's still three. Yeah, if you tell me the other one, that'll give you an extra point. And then there's three in this list that have interacted spiritually with bakura what's bakura's last name uh i don't think he has one okay jimmy does bakura have a last name uh i think it's ryu and he's british well you know like british people are named (laughs) well some of them are i'm sure well and he he has a cockney accent is it Cockney? No. It's shitty it's, British accent. It's shitty show. British accent. Yeah. Uh, it's the amalgamated BBC British. So if you want to know anything about any of these characters, you can ask me and I will tell you about the character, but I will not tell you whether they have possessed or been possessed by Bakura. <laughs> right. Um, I feel like... Mokuba Kaiba possession. Okay. And I don't have to tell you if it's he has been or no. His body. Right. Okay. Okay, so Mokuba you said has has interacted uh, uh with Bakura in a possession sort of way. Oh my god. Yes. He is of the possession persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Joey has not. Okay. Cuz I can't Imagine that. Okay. Yeah, I'm an evil spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that might be serious, and I can't picture Joey serious. Hey, it's me. I'm 5,000 years old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think the spirit of the Millennium Puzzle has either, because that seems like it would clash with the ring. One. Okay, okay. Um, I feel like they definitely would have picked one of the two female characters on the show because they would have thought that was funny, maybe as a kid's show. Sure, I don't know. sure. Um, I'm gonna say it was Taya. Okay, any particular reason? I don't know. Isn't my like an adult? Yeah, she's like she's like our age. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it would be. Taya, I don't know, as a as a fellow child. Okay. Okay. Um, so then I'm I'm gonna say not my, which would make uh Ish Marek Merrick Merrick Ishtar Merrick Ishtar, who's ostensibly the villain of this season. Uh huh. Um, okay. But, but that would mean that that Merrick then interacted with. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, that's fine. So that's for a fine. bonus point, can you tell me who was also possessing Bakura's body at the end of season two, in addition to the spirit of the, of the Millennium Ring? I'm going to say Taya, right? Because she's like one of the main group. And right. so that would be like, a, um, I don't know, that would be like an additional conflict for them to resolve in the show. 
That's a really good guess. And I'm going to give you the answers. Okay. Because that's an amazing guess. Yeah. It's incorrect. Uh. The other spirit that was uh-huh. in the body of Bakura when they were sent to the Shadow Realm. It's uh, going to be Joey, isn't it? No, it was Merrick <laughs> Ishtar. Oh. So you were right on that. That's a one point. Yeah. Merrick Ishtar starts as the villain of the season. And then it's revealed that there is an evil spirit inside of Merrick who's the real villain. My God, who these then, people need to protect themselves against spirit possession. Who then banishes... Running rampant. I, I, I've explained this once in the episode already because I'm still trying to wrap my head around yeah, it. Um, but so bad Merrick, worse Merrick, I suppose, is, is what Jimmy calls him, <gasps> banishes Merrick from his own mind. But because Merrick wields the Millennium Rod, he had temporary mind control powers over Taya. Mm-hmm. and used his influence over Taya to save the good part of his own spirit inside Taya. Meanwhile... So now Taya has two spirits? So, so, so Her Merrick, own and Merrick? So, yeah, exactly, exactly. They, so Merrick is living I totally sort of agree dormant with you, inside Lauren, Taya. They should stop fucking around with all these ancient artifacts <laughs> yeah. full of ghosts. <laughs> they belong in a museum. Meanwhile, Put away. Meanwhile, yeah. Yugi and Bakura have a duel. Yugi wins and sends Bakura's Millennium Ring, which has the spirit of the Millennium Ring, flying off, almost toppling off the blimp that they're that they're on because mm-hmm. they're dueling on a blimp, naturally. Taya catches the spirit of the Millennium Ring and is possessed by Bakura. So Taya, you also get a point, was possessed by Bakura. Okay. Merrick uses, has Taya use the Millennium Ring to transfer his spirit and the spirit of the Millennium Ring back into Bakura's body for the end of the season. So the last person on here that has also possessed or been possessed by Bakura is the spirit of the Millennium Puzzle. It's revealed at the end of season two, and Jimmy, you and I completely spaced on this. It's revealed at the end of season two that Bakura put a piece of his soul into one of the puzzle pieces that makes up the Millennium Puzzle. So he has been hiding inside the Escher-like maze that makes up the mind of the spirit of the Millennium Puzzle. It's complicated. (laughs) Why do these people just keep breaking their souls into pieces and putting them in different places? Seems like a recipe for disaster. I feel like Break they all read Harry Potter. Pieces. This is my last resort. <laughs> I feel like I feel like they are all like, yeah, Horcruxes seem really cool. Yeah, that's a Death Eater move. Uh, so you got two, two out of three possible points. You did really, really well. Mogabakaiba was an amazing guess because in season one, his soul is stolen from his body and placed in a playing card. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a really good guess. He is also mind controlled by Merrick. Uh, was he mind controlled? Just kidnapped. Is he a villain? No. Mokuba Is Bo- Sa- Sado Kaiba's the other one, right? Yeah. Yes. Is he a villain? Okay. He's, he's not likable. Gotcha. I think Jimmy and I are, are in agreement he's the rival. Here that we we yeah. Yeah. I think Jimmy and I are in agreement that we hate Mokuba more than most villains, but he is not the villain. <laughs> we just don't like him. He's Fair. just he's annoying. He's he's the he's the like henchman. Yeah. 
I learned an interesting thing about Mokuba, though. Now that we're done with the game, I can talk about Mokuba a little bit. Mokuba in the English dub was voiced by Tara Sands. Jimmy, are you familiar with Tara Sands' work at all? Probably. Uh, you would probably recognize her as the voice of Bulbasaur in the Pokemon <laughs> anime. <laughs> Amazing. What? Uh, let me let me look up her credits real quick. I want to say she was also one of the horses in My Little Pony. Maybe misremembering this. Uh, I am misremembering this. She's not in My Little Pony. I don't think. Um, but yeah, she was, she was, uh, Mokuba and, uh, uh, Bulbasaur. Just looking at her credits right now to see if there's anything else that I, I recognize. Can, I can kind of hear it now. Now that I think about that. Yeah. You just think about kind of the high pitched, a little bit of gravel. Hey, big yep. brother. Bulbasaur. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, she's been in so much stuff. Big brother, uh, I'm gonna use a razor leaf. That's that's the voice. Thank you. Yep. Uh oh, she's also in uh Fire Emblem Echoes and Fire Emblem Heroes. As Sonya. Um okay, so that ends Bakura or not. Potentially the worst idea that I have had so far this season. <laughs> I am so glad that season two is over. You know, there was a steep learning curve. Uh, at the beginning, but I think I did all right. I think you did really well given the circumstances. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we we will return to Yugi or not <laughs> in the coming episodes. Um, Thank God. That brings us to the final and most important part of this episode. It's time for the monster bracket finale. Do do do. It is the final matchup of the monster bracket. Every week on the show, we have taken two monsters from season two and pitted them against each other in an ultimate battle to the end. Oh, man, you know what uh, we should have done? We should have written uh, wrestler intros for them again. Fuck. Oh, we should have. <laughs> we should have done, done any planning at all for this episode, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, so, at the end of uh, the 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 uh sorry i'm trying to pull up a sheet and talk at the end of the bracket we have come down to two monsters uh in one corner we have zira the mant and in the other corner we have fortress whale Uh, we'll talk a little bit about them in a minute, but last week we asked you, the audience, to reach out uh, and tell us who you think should win, what matchups you think should happen instead, uh, and, and sort of what your thoughts are about the monster bracket so far. A few of you reached out. Thank you so much. Uh, and I have some things that I would like to read to you both so that we can then go into deciding who should become the ultimate champion of season two. Does that sound good? All right. Yeah, All right. I'm so happy that people wrote in. Yeah. So uh, first up, we have an email from uh, listener Dab, the semi-professional YouTube, uh, YouTube semi-professional <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh player that wrote in a couple of weeks ago. Dab says, "I want to see a dark magician versus blue eyes matchup." Yeah, I mean that is the like classic, right? Right. Yeah. So real, real briefly, and I'll get to the rest of Dab's email here in a second. 
what would you guys say? Blue Eyes White Dragon versus Dark Magician. Blue Eyes. I don't particularly care about Dark Magician. That's kind of how I feel too. I would probably say Dark Magician because it, it sounds cooler and Blue I We've talked at length about my feelings about Blue Eyes. <laughs> I don't need to reiterate them here. You're, you're going to vote for the Goth Magician every time. Oh, yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. For me, I'm voting Blue Eyes because I feel like Blue Eyes, A, represents the series very well is an actual like monster not just a dude in a wizard costume hey whoa (laughs) whoa hey whoa Uh, and uh honestly like i I think the the idea behind blue eyes that's introduced in season one is really cool in that it's a very powerful like precious card and kaiba it's grandpa's special card it's Grandpa's special card, and Kaiba sort of painted as a villain because he has like a single-minded focus on being the only one in the world who is allowed to have this card. And that's why he's like introduced in the series as he's hunting down all the blue eyes white dragons. And I think that that's something that's really special. But then, but they introduce it as such like this rare special card, and then like so many episodes are about it. It comes up so much. Oh, it comes up so often and so instantly. And this is why the show, this is why we make fun of the show, right? Like so instantly is it proven that it is not the most powerful card. Like right. that's the thing about season two. It's there are three more even more powerful cards and i'm sure we're just going to get introduced to like yet more powerful cards as time goes on yeah it's but i'm still voting blue eyes (laughs) the thing (laughs) about dark magician is that he's just not terribly interesting to me the most interesting thing about dark magician to me is that ostensibly at one point he was the pharaoh's like real life friend he's not just some monster so what the hell right. happened that he got turned into a card? Like yeah, I want to hear ago. more about this backstory. Hopefully we'll get there. I, f- I think we get it eventually. I've seen some like thumbnails that include Egyptian like dressed people, uh, uh, ancient Egyptian sort of stereotypes. Um, okay, so uh, Dab's email continues. Uh, they say, plus vote Fortress Whale 2020. So that's one vote for <laughs> Fortress Whale so far from the audience. Uh, so, uh, they, they continue saying, also, I have an interesting question for you guys. What do you think the IRL Yu-Gi-Oh meta is like? I'll send an email on the actual meta sometime soon. And finally, to answer your questions from last week, I have 72 different dual spirits in my body. They're only the ones that are good at card games though, because we've come up with consistent ways to exercise the evil ones. Dab, I think if you could if you could sell whatever that method That's is awesome. to the Catholic Church, I think they'd be very interested in that. Also, please tell um, the protagonists of Yu-Gi-Oh because they are just yeah. You can't they you can't help throw with a rock spirits. without hitting an evil spirit. <laughs> they, they are lousy with them. Uh, so okay, so the it's ir- an epidemic. <laughs> the evil spirit pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the IRL some like farm in the middle of iowa some farmer walks out dang it ma there's a evil spirit out in the corn crib again <laughs> give me my shovel get me my silver bullets again <laughs> now you get out of there evil spirit <laughs> go on get go on get, get out of my holy water well <laughs> i want poke, this poke. web comic <laughs> oh this would be really good uh okay so dab is asking about the irl Yu-Gi-Oh meta and so, Lauren, I want you to participate yeah, I don't, in this, I too. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. So, so when we say meta, we mean, like, what's the strategy that people are winning with these days? Like, what are the uh, uh, sort of 
underlying mechanics that people are relying on to win duels in in the real Yu-Gi-Oh game. In the cartoon, we see a lot of like placing a trap card face down. So it's not clear, like, is it a trap? Is it a spell? Is it a monster? Like, what is it? Luring someone into attacking you and then springing a trap on them. Um, Or towards the end of season two, it's a lot of like just summoning very powerful monsters, right? Uh, Jimmy, what do you think? What's what's the IRL Yu-Gi-Oh meta right now? I know so little about the actual card game that I can only take a, a stab in the dark here. However, given, yeah, none of us play actual Yu-Gi-Oh yeah, is the problem. If you haven't guessed by now. <laughs> um, but given my own experience playing card games and just some of the more effective strategies that they've used in the show, mm-hmm. I would guess that maybe it's not like top tier uh, strategies, but a good strategy is to have a token deck and just bring out tons and tons of like little monsters to overwhelm your opponents with. Mm, okay. But I feel like there's a there's probably a bunch of good trap cards that will like clear the deck of tokens or something. Because we've seen that in yeah uh, in Merrick's right. uh, or Bakura's one of those evil spirits and their slime deck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that was that was a really interesting deck in that it was like a lot of here are small tokens that generate other small tokens, yeah. and it just kind of like filled the field. Oh, it's like one of the um, only times we've seen like actual usable card game strategies in the show, and it's interesting that it right. happened twice because we've we saw him use it twice. Yeah, I guess we did, huh? Because we saw Merrick try it again, mm-hmm. huh? Okay. Okay, so so something like that yeah. is what you're thinking. All right. Lauren, do you have any any thoughts? I I don't even know how I would go about answering this. <laughs> I guess that people play trap cards which they then activate. <laughs> uh something to do with um heart and the current so meta a- is gaming the system uh, by having as many friends as possible there to cheer you on, and therefore, yeah. therefore having more heart of the cards than the other person. It's yeah, it's less of a duel and more of a prayer circle. <laughs> sure. See, I I I don't have much experience with like um, competitive card games anyway. Right, because you've never played Magic. Uh, I played Pokemon. a tiny bit of like I know how to play Magic, but okay. I never like played in a magic tournament or anything um i played pokemon cards as a child like when i was seven years old not like enough to remember how to play it so if you could picture Um, just using that if you could picture the ideal version of Yu-Gi-Oh, i hate playing gwent oh yeah lauren makes me play makes me i volunteer (laughs) and she graciously allows me to play gwent Gwent games because i hate it uh, so what would the ideal game of Yu-Gi-Oh look like to you? Like if you were to show up at a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. God, see, I don't even know how many cards you, you're allowed to play per hand. Is it like, oh, you play one card per hand or is it like Gwent how where many, you can play as many, many you as you want and then until your turn's over. Build a Yu-Gi-Oh game in your mind for me. I have no just, idea. Just tell me, just tell me your ideal. The ideal game I, is one that does not exist. <laughs> the ideal game is is me um like leaving and reading a book, I think. 
okay, so so then so then Dab, you'll, if if the meta involves leaving and reading books, let us know. <laughs> Um, I, I bet I think... that you can make uh, a magic deck that makes you leave and read a book. Oh, that has to exist, right? That has with to with all the different like magic. side rules for the like wacky expansions. You could, I bet mm-hmm. you could totally make a deck that's based entirely around making your opponents leave and go do other things. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. That sounds amazing. Uh, I I think. I, I know a little bit because I played some dual links and I saw some like five D's, right? But I haven't really watched anything beyond that. I'm trying to think of anything that we saw from that one episode of Vrains that might like give it away. I have a feeling a lot of the meta right now is monsters that well, it used to be monsters that combine with each other. Which was Kinky. which was in five D's. You had like God <laughs> You had uh you had synchro and tuner monsters i think is what they were called so i think now what you might have is like monsters that start very weak and then combine or use spells to make them very strong but it's still the same monster right like it's like it's like evolving a digimon Mm. that's my guess (laughs) so you're saying is that Yu-Gi-Oh is like digimon I mean, and you have to digivolve your cards. You know, I yeah, is that a kind of. Is that a mechanic? Can I don't know. Do? I don't know. I know that there are some cards that are like, oh, play this spell and then play this other card that you have in your hand, and that it's like supposed to be the same card. But it's like, oh, it's Karibo level three or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's as close as I can I can figure. So that's that's my guess. Without knowing anything about the current actual meta, my guess is that yes, there are cards like that that you evolve. Sure. Okay. Uh, so uh, Dab, please let us know uh, if we're correct. The other folks that wrote into us wrote into us on Twitter. We put up a poll on our Twitter account at Yampod Y A M P O D, asking folks who do they want to see win. Uh, we had, uh, CJ at slow-mo demo neuro right in, uh, saying the problem is that the almighty Karibo has already been eliminated and should have won CJ. You're not wrong. Karibo, Karibo stands. Where are you at? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Kristen at Karkala wrote in, uh, saying, you know, in your hearts, it could be none other than fortress whale. We do love Fortress Whale. We do whale. love ourselves a Fortress Whale. And our good old friend O4 Mouse wrote in to say, gotta go with the whale that's also a fortress over whatever a mant is. <laughs> uh, and wow. we had a poll, which I'm going to scroll up to very slowly. We had 16 votes in the poll. Uh, we had a few people just ask to show me the results. I like having that option in a poll. So 12.5% of people said, just show me the results. Are you ready? for the remaining results of our poll to see who our audience thinks should win. Give us the will of the people, Tyler. All right, here we go. Drum roll, please. This is great audio. Everyone loves this. All right. Fortress Whale won the audience vote by a landslide. Uh, 12.5% just wanted the results. 
81.3% voted for Fortress Whale, with the remaining 6.3% voting for Zira the Man. So Zira the Man, I think, got maybe one vote, is what the math looks like oh, there. Everyone else voting for Fortress yeah, Whale. Yeah, if you're curious, one person voted for Zira the Man, and two people voted for Show Me the Results. Thank you. And I, and I was one of those people, I think. <laughs> um, so that means 13. <laughs> Fortress Whale. Wow. Wow. So overwhelmingly, the audience wow. wants to see Fortress Whale represent the best of the best, the cream of the crop, uh, the the absolute pinnacle of what Dual Monsters has to offer in season two. Uh, before we make our final opinions here, I do want to recap sort of where these two monsters have come from in their journey. Uh, let's let's start with the underdog, I guess. Let's let's start with Zira the Mant. Uh, the Undermant, please. <laughs> Pardon me, pardon me. <laughs> Zero the Mant started off uh, in an interesting part of the bracket against Cyber Raider. Uh, Cyber Raider is another purple-themed card, uh, but just wasn't grabbing us quite enough. <laughs> purple-themed card. Uh, and so it continued on and faced off against Dark Magician Girl. And this is where I, I personally thought Zero the Mant's story would end. Uh, but Dark Magician Girl just wasn't really grabbing us in the same way. And I think, Lauren, you made a really good point where Zero the Man is just scary. Mm -hmm. Like, Dark Magician Girl is cute or whatever, but Zero the Man is just frightening. He is yeah. frightening to look at. Um, mm -hmm. And I I really like his kind of, just the aesthetic that he has going on. And mm -hmm. But that's just kind of who I am as a person because I'll, I'll reach over here to my shelf right now and bring up two guys who look exactly like him. One is my amiibo of Ridley from Metroid. <laughs> the other um, is one of my prized possessions, this Hydralisk from StarCraft. Oh, oh that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I've been wanting to get this guy uh, since I was a kid in 1997 or whenever it came out. And I finally got him on eBay a few years ago. Oh, that's awesome. But the nice. just kind of like skeletal, almost dragon-like creatures... I think are very good right. and very scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, aesthetically speaking, Zero the Man I think was really the the clear choice there. Uh, Zero Plus, the Man he'll make your skull into <laughs> Plus, a codpiece. He has his skull codpiece, really flexing on the haters. You come up against the king, you best not you best not miss because he's going to be peeing through your eye sockets pretty soon. <laughs> God. So uh, then Zero the Man went up against Rogue Doll, uh, who was another one of those like kind of frightening characters, I think, but didn't quite have the same sort of dynamism as Zero the Man. Uh, Zero the Man then uh, went up against Celtic Guardian. Celtic Guardian. Which, how did Celtic Guardian get that far, honestly? Celtic Guardian, I, I think, I think he just had against... kind of the luck of the draw. Yeah, he went up against went up Trash. A... Yeah. Uh beat Celtic Guardian, went up against Blue Eyes White Dragon. Uh who we've discussed a little bit already in this episode, but Blue Eyes White Dragon, while iconic, just didn't grab us in the same way. Zero the Mant for for all its, you know, shortcomings as a monster, I think really makes up for a lot with having a skull for a cod piece <laughs> and a, a popped collar purple cape, yeah, you know. Pretty cool cape. Spawn pretty cool cape. cape. And uh, it was, uh, you know... Being it, under fluorescent lights. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
looks like he's under fluorescent lights. Uh, he, uh, sorry, UV fluorescent. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say he looked really cool under a black light. Yeah, that's, yeah. well, yes, yeah. that's what he looks like he's under. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a heated discussion, but Zero the Man finally won out against Blue Eyes White Dragon and got to where we're at now. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, the clear opposite end of the bracket, Fortress Whale began up against Alligator Sword, uh, who was another technically aquatic themed uh, uh, alligator, uh, but was boring. So Fortress Whale was a clear win there. Then went up against Grand Tiki Elder, uh, who was racist, <laughs> and um, so clear win there. Amazon Chainmaster. Kind of the same deal, if we're being honest. Amazon Chainmaster was also just kind of boring, we yeah. decided. Uh, Fortress Whale then faced its most difficult opponent in Beta the Magnet Warrior. Our special boy. If, if I had my druthers, Beta the Magnet Warrior would be the mascot of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes, he's very cute. <laughs> That's like, yeah. He is, he, he is he the is clear cute. choice. He's adorable. Got a swinging dog. <laughs> <laughs> it should be a Pokemon. He, it should be. Looks like Doesn't a he looks like Basically a, a cross between a Pikachu and like a Magnemite? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. You get that uh that website that mixes the sprites. Yeah. Uh then Fortress Whale went up against another monster that I would have been pretty happy to see go to the finals. Uh Fortress Whale, the the most recent matchup was against Jinzo. Oh yeah. We had yeah. a sort of a hard fought uh struggle as well. Uh that was a really difficult choice for us that because I know call. how much we all love Jinzo. Um but because of being a whale with a fortress on its back, <laughs> Fortress Whale <laughs> continued on into the finals. And so now here we are, Fortress Whale. And Zero the Mant are facing off at last. It's come down to this. Uh, I'll go over the stats very briefly, and then we should talk about each card and kind of how we're feeling. Fortress Whale is a level 7 fish ritual monster, 2350 attack and 2150 defense. Zero the Mant is a level 8 fiend ritual monster with 2800 attack and 2300 defense so as far as stats go we have a full level up uh zero the man compared to fortress whale so a little bit of an edge there but i want to hear i want to hear a, a little bit about each of the monsters from from the two of you how are, how are we feeling about each of these give me like one good thing about both well since they're both here i think it's clear that we like both of them absolutely absolutely they both have incredible merits What what specifically? <laughs> I'll talk about Fortress Whale. I think the thing that is so appealing about Fortress Whale is that it encapsulates what is so good about Yu-Gi-Oh compared to Pokemon or even Magic and that it does not want or give or need justification for its existence. There's no lore there. Because Pokemon, they're, they're creatures. They exist out in the world. There's this whole universe that it's a part of and even sure. though you have like keychain even though you have like keychain and like yeah, yeah. ice clouds cream, whatever they're still yeah. like little magical creatures yeah uh in magic everything is still part of the same universe and there's like these stories that are told with each expansion showing the like 
where these creatures come from and like how they interact with each other and how they interact with like the characters in the world. Fortress whale is a fortress and it's a whale. You want backstory? <laughs> Fuck you. If you. You want it to be an ancient Egyptian like demon that was sent out against your opponents? Fuck you. It's fortress whale, bitch. I got your bitch. backstory right here. <laughs> the thing about fortress whale is that the the so so much about Yu-Gi-Oh cards is that they're just taking random crazy concepts and throwing them at the wall and see what sticks. The same thing with like hamstrat. It's a a hamster and it's a, a 747. Yep. It it doesn't need to exist and I really want to know more about it, but it's not going to tell you. It exists on its own merits. It's as a whale that has a fortress that it can shoot you with. And that's what's so charming and about it. That's pretty fucking awesome. It's rad <laughs> as hell. And that's all you need to know about it. This is... I, I have, it is from a time where not every piece of media needed to have lore. Yes. It does bother me. Can I say one thing that bothers me about Fortress Whale? Sure. Um, And I know this is incredibly pedantic because as we've established, it's a whale and also a fortress. So there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, But it really bothers me that it is a fish type. (laughs) Mm. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's that's just because they sort of had limited number of types. I know. I know. But why couldn't they do like aquatic or ocean right, right or something yeah that's fair i just clicked on fish. fish type uh to see what other kind of fish cards we have oh yeah and there's a Tell lot of the prominent fishes <laughs> a great white is a fish oh we've we've oh, seen this uh-huh. guy before that's this true. is the the shark with arms uh oh. yes yep uh, there's actually several fish types uh, there's a citadel whale. Did you know this? Oh. Also not a fish. Oh, no. is that is that fortress whale's big brother? Uh, yeah, a citadel whale is like a even bigger fortress whale, and he's got like a whole city fortress on his back. Whoa! Did we have we the bigger, badder whale? Yeah. Well, no, citadel whale we... wasn't in season two. Oh, yeah. these are all from season two. Yes. I see. There's also shark. Holy fortress. shit. That's awesome. What's this guy's deal? Oh yeah, I've, I've seen Shark Fortress. Yeah, Shark Fortress is like a like an aircraft carrier, right? Shark Fortress. Oh yeah, it's not even. It, how is that a fish? That's not even an animal. It's a. It's like an underwater. It's a submarine carrier, is what it is. Well, Cyber Jar also isn't a jar, so. <laughs> well, yeah, fair. <laughs> it's rad though. Uh, I would want to send Shark Fortress as a unit in. Um, like a RTS game. Ooh, yeah, like a, like, a like those dolphins factory. in Command and Conquer. Yeah, you're like a mobile submarine carrier. Okay, that's pretty cool. God, Com- Command and Conquer Red Alert was one of the best games. You had uh, you had dolphins that were trained by Marines to carry bombs. Oh, that's cool. Yep, yep. Uh, I I, I want to say, talking switching to Zero the Mant now. The thing that I really enjoy about Zero the Mant is similar to what you were saying, Jimmy, about like it doesn't have a rhyme or reason to it. Like it's it doesn't need to be a knowable thing. Uh but it's in the lore 
that it is an unknowable thing. Yeah. Like there is stuff written about Zero the Mant, but it's never explained what or why Zero the Mant is, only that it is. Which I think is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I think that's pretty neat. I like the idea Why that... Why do you need all the answers? You don't need to know everything. You right. Can leave, you can leave some things to the imagination. What's a mant? This. <laughs> it's Zero. this guy. What are you talking about? It's uh, right there on the on the name of the card. It's yeah, this guy. I, I like the sort of tautological uh, <laughs> approach that they yeah. have to storytelling here. Mants are mants. Um, right. <laughs> Which is this. Uh, and, and, you know... But at the same time, Zero the Mant doesn't exist in a, in a vacuum. There's other Zira cards that all sort of tell the story of, like, the warrior of Zira and who he worships and, like, why he's on this quest to the holy realm or whatever it is he's questing for. I forget. Um, we've, we've tried explaining Zero the Mant several times, and it just can't be done. And I think that that right there is a big strength of Zero the Mant. He doesn't need it. Honestly, he doesn't even need it. He doesn't need it. But I like that there's been like just enough sort of literature on the subject that we know that that is a question. Right. In French, his name is Zera Lamant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at all his translations. I feel like I feel like if anyone were to write uh, an epic around Yu-Gi-Oh, a la um, R.E. Salvatore, Salvatore. did mm, for mm. for dritz yeah like the dritz Dorden books i feel like zero the man would be the protagonist of those Ooh, because you yeah. could write a really good like it, hero's journey kind of situation around the man what little backstory there is right yeah. right the 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 tales of zira which i think i mean that's kind of where the card text for the not zero the mant, but for the other cards, that's kind of where they go, right? It's like telling a story yeah, of a hero's journey in a right. lot of ways, um, and then zero the mant is just kind of like there. <laughs> uh, but I I enjoy that we come to the finals with two two cards that are ritual monsters, right? They can only be summoned by rituals, mm-hmm. and they are both inherently mysterious. I feel like both of these cards could mm. easily have a religion based around them. A <laughs> religion. Yeah. The what I like about Fortress Whale is that he could be the setting for like a D and D campaign. That'd be so cool. Or like, oh, he could be the setting or the yeah. end boss. Like the whole the setting and the end yeah. boss. Like uh, like the whole uh, goal would shadows be of trying the... to get on board the Fortress Whale. And investigate. <laughs> yeah. I should write a Monster of the Week campaign around that. Ooh. Around Fortress Whale. All right, Jimmy, there you go. There's your, there's your next task. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be like a like a Shadow of the Colossus sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where you're walking around this giant moving structure that is the thing that you need to kill. Yeah, it'd be like walking on onto a ghost ship and you have like a certain amount of time before it realizes you're there and you die. Finding out what's what's mm. going on on board. The Fortress Whale. Kind of like uh, in Breath of the Wild, the beasts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, at a, yeah. on a much larger scale, and also it wants to kill you. <laughs> it is actively it, against it you. It is trying to kill you. I like that a lot. Yeah, Jimmy, if you want to write this up as like a Monster of the Week or a D&D <laughs> campaign, just, just any, any, we're available. <laughs> um, I, the thing about Zero the Mant 
for me is it feels very similar to um I, i've been watching and listening to people talk about uh resident evil 4 because the remake of that just came resident out resident evil 4 and, and uh they talk a lot about they compare what a lot to resident buying? evil 2 <laughs> what are you selling yes jimmy we know we know you play a lot of resident evil 4 we know <laughs> um <laughs> thank you <laughs> but they compared a lot to resident evil 2 which had uh the nemesis character mm. who was this like i think mr x is another version of it later on but it's effectively this character that is constantly stalking you and you cannot defeat it zero the mant feels like that like zero the mant looks like a character that is always going to be about 10 paces behind you and is just walking not running not crawling just like walking at a slow and steady pace because it knows that it will get he doesn't need to eventually no no he gets his man in the end and he can't with that cut (laughs) right he's (laughs) literally made of bones spooky scary skeleton shivers down your spine oh yeah that's what jimmy you came over to our town and i neglected to point this out to you did you recognize our town song (laughs) in animal crossing in animal crossing spooky scary skeletons Yes, yeah. <laughs> I noticed that before. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I need to show this to Jimmy, and then just completely forgot. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the vibe I get from Zero the Man. It's just like a constantly stalking, never-ending, sort of it-follows-style villain. Mm-hmm. Who's who's less a villain, I guess, and more of just a like a force. Yeah. I feel like... The idea that it's just a force is the same thing as Fortress Whale. Like, you might not even get its attention, but if you do, woe betide you because you have angered the Fortress Whale. You have right, angered exactly. Zero the Mant, and now your doom is sealed. By the time these cards know you are there, it is too late. I've never noticed this about the card art for Zero the Mant before, but... um because of like the perspective of the card it looks like he's like reaching out of the card at you oh a little oh, bit with yeah there's a little bit of shortening mm-hmm. yeah cuz it's so much bigger than the other one it looks like it's like coming out of the frame it's like those memes it's like the hand coming out at you mhm so like there's there's not really another way to say this than other than like who should win. There is no <laughs> way, but I've made up my mind. All right. Yeah. Same. I think I have as well. Uh do we want to do we want to do that thing where we try to say like why we've chosen who we've chosen without saying who we've chosen? I... Or do we want to just do like I think we've talked we about both the of these cards enough yeah. over the last season that we already okay. we already know why we like them. I agree. I agree. Uh so let's let's do uh one, two, three. Maybe three, two, one. Yeah. <laughs> three, two, one, and then we'll all say our vote at, at the same the time. Same time. I think we can do it. I think so too. Alright. So <laughs> three, two, one. One fortress, fortress whale. Fortress whale. <laughs> fortress whale wins. Congratulations, vote. fortress whale. Unanimous vote. Fortress. I wanted whale. to vote for the goth skeleton thing, but 
I it I think it's clearly I even, Fortress I tried. Whale. I was trying to be the advocate yeah. for Zero the Man, but in my heart of hearts, Fortress Whale we know is it's Fortress Whale. the epitome of a Yu-Gi-Oh monster from season two. Yep. Just the best the best that the season had to offer was Fortress Whale. And that's true. It is it is a crime against anime viewers everywhere that Fortress Whale was only in one episode. Yeah, it's <laughs> for such not very long a, an that. interesting card. I'm looking at the card art again, and it's just so ominous. It deserves better. I want a poster of Fortress Whale. I was just thinking that. I want Fortress Whale framed on my wall. Are there any alternates for Fortress Whale? I'm sure this would have come up before. I don't think so. There should be. Uh, I, it, Lauren, if you and I ever buy a van, I'm going to... God, what? What's I'm happening? Gonna, What's I'm, gone wrong in our life that we've bought a van? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But if we ever buy a van... For any reason, I want to paint Fortress Whale on the side. Yeah, all right. Um, there's Darkest Fortress Whale, which is like a it goth to be a Fortress Whale, card, but that's though. a different card. Um, there's no alternate art for Fortress Whale that I'm able to find, but there's lots of like associated art. So mm-hmm. like Fortress Whale's Oath has Fortress Whale sort of coming up out of the water. Um, oh, and here's Fortress Whale in the anime. Very scary. The anime did it a disservice, I think. It made it a bit more cartoony than it needed to yeah. be. I feel like the optimal um, viewing conditions are for Fortress Whale are late at night when you're alone by the sea and you see this thing rising out of the out of the, the sea during a thunderstorm and looking directly at you. That yes. is pretty scary though. Like I probably would have been scared of that as a kid from the anime. Yeah, like it's big and imposing and, and, and you know, very threatening. Yeah. Right? They just made it look a little, little cartoony. It is cartoony little cartoony. eyes. Well, the eyes in the card yeah. are, are like little glowing pinpricks. Right. I feel like you could write a really cool, like, sci-fi futurism horror novel about Fortress Weld. I agree. There's a 3D render of Fortress Whale that I found. It's a bit weird. Uh, that looks. Oh, I think bad. I, see, I think I see the one that you're talking about. It looks like it's yeah, from a game. Yeah, I don't know if this. It does. God, I. At what cost? Uh. Yeah. All right. So Fortress Whale, congratulations! Thank you, everyone, for voting. Thank you for emailing us. Thank you for tweeting at us. Uh, this was truly a group effort. Uh, the will of the people. And, and you know what? If 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 uh, if our good boy Beta the Magnet Warrior couldn't win, I'm glad that it went to <laughs> a deserving card. Yeah, Fortress Whale is very good. And respect Clearly. to Zero the Mant. Absolutely. Yeah, good this game. doesn't mean well Zero the Mant is bad. It just means Fortress Whale is better. No, Zero the Man fucking sucks now. I hate it. No, no, no. It's a great card. It's a great card. It, it, it definitely deserved to get as far as it did. Uh, and I'm glad that this was our final two because I feel like if it were any other two cards, it would not have been so evenly matched, right? No. Like it's just looking at our semifinals and our quarterfinals, I don't know that there are any two like really evenly matched monsters here. Like Jinzo versus Blue Eyes, I don't really know that that would have been an argument for us. No, um, although you could make the argument that Dab made, which is to do the classic Yu-Gi-Oh cards, uh, Blue Eyes and Dark Magician. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, I mean, 
that would mean that we would have to do like an actually good Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. <laughs> and I, I for one, will not stand for nah. it. Nah. Uh, no, but thank you everybody for uh, for helping participate in the final monster bracket of season two. Uh, I definitely want to bring something like this back for season three. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I think I need to do a better job <laughs> making a bracket. Um, but this was a, a fantastic experience for us and, and a great game for us to play together. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, that brings us to the end of the show, I believe, unless I'm missing anything. No, I think that's everything we had. Thanks for listening, Uh, everyone. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to season two. This has been an amazing year for us, uh, uh, short of the world being on fire for most (laughs) of this calendar year. But from the podcast perspective, it's been really great to have people writing in and listening to the show and like enjoying it. So that's been truly, truly meaningful for us. Uh, and, and for me personally, um, we are going to move into season three, but not immediately. We'll probably give ourselves what, like a, like a month, like four yeah. weeks. Give, give us a break. We want to, we want to play around with the format a little bit. We want to play around. We want to watch some other shows. Um, we're going to decide off mic what shows those will be. And we'll let yeah, you we'll know. We'll just have like one off um, bonus episodes where we watch an episode or two of different anime that we've been talking about doing. Yeah, and then uh, we'll say by August we'll be back oh, into, sure. into season three. So if you only want to listen to Yu-Gi-Oh stuff, just check back in with us after July, uh, and we'll be back into season three. Season three is on Netflix. It's also on Yu-Gi-Oh.com and uh, Crunchyroll, uh, and I think on Hulu. I'm pretty sure it's on that? Hulu. Okay. Um, and I forgot what I was going to say there. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to getting into it because – eventually we're going to see the end of this tournament that I thought would end at the end of season two, but I was <laughs> you wrong. You think it wouldn't take two seasons to have one tournament, but you, you got us there, Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> well played. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us while we figure out what we do next, uh, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at yampod, Y-A-M-P-O-D. Uh, I'm also going to be putting a form in case either of those are too difficult for you to remember. I'm going to put a form on our website that's heartofthe.cards. Uh, and you can just fill that out and that'll send us an email as well. Uh, yeah. Is there anything I'm forgetting? Nope. All right. Not watching an episode this week really <laughs> threw me off, I think. Uh, we will be back next week with an episode of some sort. Something. And until next time. You activated my podcast. Do you know usually